beautiful people. Welcome to our humble abode, the Thunderdome, on this Coach Saban Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. This sports program starts now. Football is happening tonight. Week 9 of the NFL season is kicking off. Week 9. Nine is kicking off this evening. We're starting to kind of slowly roll into the season in which we need to start appreciating every single football game that we watch. There is only nine weeks of NFL football left after this one is done. Let's remember that. Let's enjoy the hell out of that. And obviously there'll be playoffs and there'll be Super Bowl. And college football has a hell of a run still left to be there. But we are nowhere near where we were just eight weeks ago. We are now in the middle of the time where new players or on new teams. New storylines are developing. The contenders are starting to separate themselves from the pretenders and who is a team that is going to find a new face that maybe takes them to a new place? We shall see. Tonight, Titans and Steelers. Now the Titans are getting three points on some books. Mm -hmm. The Steelers are favored by two and a half on some books. Those are the best lines available right now. This dude, Jeffrey Simmons, needs to be mic'd up every single week because he was last week and there's just more footage rolling out of him being awesome and a guy that needs to be appreciated and respected a lot more. Speaking of that, how about this young buck? Mm. Fresh off a four touchdown game, Will Levis will go into Pittsburgh and take on a daunting Pittsburgh Steelers defense in a stadium full of Yinzers that can't wait to say, Oh, mama, I'm in fear of my life from the law, the Pittsburgh's going to be rocking tonight. And the reason why? That number 90 down there, TJ Watt, probably going to get introduced last this evening on this primetime game. He is, what, one sack away? Two sacks away? I think it's one. From I think one sack away from passing his brother mm-hmm. in the most sacks in the first 100 games of your NFL career. He would go into second all-time. This dude is breaking records and is loved in Pittsburgh. And tonight, I think, is going to be one of those situations where you see T.J. Watt leading the chorus of Yinzers having a night that he can only dream of. And then Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada will have that rifling offense on display Uh for all of us to watch while Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels and Kaylee Hartung have all the coverage on Amazon Prime. Kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern with uh, Carissa Thompson, mm-hmm. Fitzmagic, yep. uh, Big Wit, yep. Richard Sherman, Tony Gonzalez, Why Michael up? Smith, Why? Taylor Rooks, Marshawn Lynch. Why? Should be a great night to kick off week nine. I'm very lucky to be here. Uh, Michael Lombardi will be here today. Coach Nick Saban will join us. Big one against LSU this weekend. Huge. Basically for the SEC West right now. You lose this one, either of these teams, going to be out of the conversation for the SEC championship, which is obviously a propeller into the college football playoff, even though you have to stare down that Downton Georgia Bulldogs football team. Probably, we shall assume. Kevin O'Connell, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, will join us at 1.30. They got a new quarterback. Yeah. Uh They got a new quarterback. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is doing his thing. They trade for Josh Dobbs after the Achilles is torn by Kirk Cousins. He got a surgery done, not by Alatrosh, the guy Uh in L.A., but remember, Aaron Rodgers told us like uh he's not in a hurry he's not in a rush he has no chance of making it back this season so his surgery different than my surgery Aaron got the surgery that he got in hopes to get back sooner the rehab that he's going for is everything like trying to get back as fast as possible Kirk Cousins has an entire he has a lot more time yeah plenty of time 
And who knows where yeah. he's playing next year. True. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of conversation. Kirk had a successful surgery. Big thumbs up for him. We're pulling for him. But anyways, we'll talk to Kevin O'Connell in uh, the second hour. And then third hour, we got the general Bob Carpenter. Nice. We got the toxic table here at Boston Connor and at Ty Schmidt. Sweet shirt there, pal. Yeah, I haven't really worn the dog that often. I feel like, it, you know, week nine, like you mentioned, it's not the dog days of football, but you can kind of see the end of the regular season tunnel, which isn't good. So happy dog. Just trying to kind of reiterate that. I thought you potentially wore that because we have a segment debut today. Uh, yeah. on our YouTube oh. channel, not oh. on the ESPN commercials, uh, from our friend Pac-Man Jones called Undercover Dogs, which is going to be a good segment. Cannot <laughs> wait for the people to see it. It'll run second hour, I believe, on YouTube. It's a pre-recorded piece, so to run as like a commercial. It was good to see old Pac again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. See, I think he had a movie last night debuting one of his uh, rap albums. Look he's like got it. something going oh, out there. Really? Great hey. to see him. And I think you guys are going to appreciate the Undercover Dogs segment as well. One half of the hammer, Dad. Cowboys Tone Diggs tonight we're staying in a primetime game which yes, means under oh. and well. that is because the under on primetime games this season is 19 and 7 Boom. right now on the entirety of the season it is oh for the under sorry 71 50 and 1 so Damn. there's been a lot of good defense being played <clears throat> on this particular year 36 and a half <laughs> is the line as the low, you start doing the math, each team's got to score by 18 points. That's not a lot of points. You know, To the Chiefs and Eagles last year averaged over 29 points mm-hmm. a game. That, they're the ones that ended up in the Super Bowl, yeah. obviously. Uh-huh. Uh, the Colts have scored over 20 points every single game this year. They're the only team to do so. They have not won. So for both teams to be under 20 is the expectation of the over-under. Feels like it's going to be a sloppy one. The under is hit in most primetime games. Joining us now is a guy who might be able to tell us why that is the case. A guy who coached football for 36 years, 18 in college, 18 in the NFL. The people's coach currently sitting at 6-2 and two against the spread on these Thursday night football games. Uh, Chuck Pagano. Chuck, primetime games. How come it it seems to be a little bit tighter on these primetime games as opposed to maybe years past? I don't know. I like that. Nice. I like that. Same. Does it ever feel, though, sometimes like uh, the boys aren't showing up? Maybe a moment's too big. Is there a reason why some teams operate? I think we talked about it. I'm just jacking around. uh, Oh, I like that. Short short week, injuries, you, you lose some guys, you don't get some guys back, you know. You got two good defenses here tonight. It's it's going to be fascinating to watch Simmons go at it. You mentioned T.J. Watt. Um, don't I, see a lot of points in this one. Like you mentioned, the under. Feel good. I about like. It. I feel really good about it. Uh, okay, it's a two for maybe. He's already given out one of his okay. picks. Remember, six and two against the spread on these Thursday night games. It has been fantastic to watch. And anytime I'm leaning a different way than him, I will listen to him and decide ultimately to go against it. That's why I've been like three and nine and <laughs> that whole thing throughout the. Last three weeks or so. Congrats on the incredible run. But whenever you talk about like Will Levis, obviously you're on the defensive side of the ball for most of your career. I assume all of it coaching defense. Yes. 36 years coaching on defense side of the ball, 18 in the NFL. Will Levis comes out of nowhere, seemingly, and has a monster game. We're all incredibly happy for him, especially with everything that happened. And I think revenge body season yeah. for Will Levis as well in his personal life, not mm-hmm. 100% sure. I think that made its way around the internet as well. For him to come out, ball out in his first game, obviously awesome for him and for the future of the Titans. Vrabel's obviously coming, I mean, he hasn't really said anything, but Shefty came on and said, Will Levis plays good, it's his job, it's his job, it's his yeah. job. Mm-hmm. They're basically looking at the future with him. For the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, is one game enough to know what type of guy this guy's going to be as a quarterback in the NFL? Is there still the surprise, potentially, that we don't have a book on Will Levis on the defensive side of most of these teams? That's a great point, and, and yeah, there still is. So they've watched all the college tape. They've talked to their scouts who evaluated this kid coming out. We all saw the talent. 
the arm that this guy, I mean, he's got a cannon, right? Yeah. And then the touch, the dimes that he dropped to, to D-Hop, unbelievable. When he I was mean, coming out for the combine, didn't he say, I got a cannon, I'm going to show it oh, off? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He actually said that. And he's yep. got confidence, he's got swag, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he sat in that green room for two nights. Long time. I mean, a long, long time, right? So you know that festered, and it's been sitting in. And he was injured. They're saying, well, where was he? Why, why wouldn't he the guy to go in after Tannehill got hurt? And it was Malik. But mm -hmm. he was injured. Mm -hmm. He was injured in preseason. Mm. So I think he's just back. He's healthy. He got a shot. He threw in Willis, and, I mean, the snap was hot and it was high, and he put it on the ground that last game. They were going to have him do Start a couple quarterback runs, and that's yeah, the last, that's the last yeah. we saw of him. Yep. If that doesn't happen, who knows if we, who knows if we see. see these three tutties he threw to D-Hop? Yeah, you're 100% right. And I think, like, the interesting thing about Will Levis is he was being viewed as a guy who was too intense. Yep. They couldn't get past his gimmick. Oh, is what yeah, a lot of people, that's yeah. why he was following. He seems to be too. He seems like the perfect guy for Vrabel. Yeah. Grew up in New England. I assume Vrabel hero, mm -hmm. you know, but also Vrabel mm -hmm. also Dog. super tough guy. Scrapping. So even if you were, and maybe it wasn't a gimmick with Will Levis, he is just like super alpha or whatever the case is. I'm not 100% sure if that's what you need to have at the quarterback position. It's like Vrabel being the head coach, perfect. And he's a New England guy, yes. which is great news for, I think, all of Tennessee Titans fan. Yeah, like Connecticut definitely grew up in the Vrabel era in New England, so I assume he is someone he's looked up to, but the other thing they were saying was like, hey, guys who come in that have the body that look like Will Levis, like they're usually not successful as quarterbacks, and that was because he was like too jacked. I don't know if that was, you know, across the board for most guys or not, but it's awesome. Is there a thought that maybe the Steelers just double D-hop and see if he can do it without, you know, one of the better wide receivers in the NFL? Mike Tomlin has had a lot of success on the defensive side of the ball in the NFL for a long time. I assume they will have a plan, but yeah. two people on D-Hop, I, I, three people on D-Hop. True. I don't think D-Hop cares about the amount of people, and I think D-Hop is very excited that there is a quarterback that says, all right, he's covered, who cares, I'm throwing. Now, granted, he was wide open on two of those, and a throwback across the body or across the field is absolutely absurd, Bill. but that one where everybody's talking about the offensive PI, that guy's literally right in his face, and Will says, ah, to hell with it. Yeah. Not everybody has that. Tannehill didn't have that, and I think J.J. or I forget who told us, D-Hop might have won up to Will Levis before the game. Yeah. And Aaron, was like, hey, was listen. Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, I think. Aaron said that D-Hop might have won up to Will Levis before the game and just said, hey, kid, here's the deal. Always open. Yeah. Like, no matter what is going on in your life, always open. And if I don't catch it, nobody's catching it. So, like, if you just want to do something, throw it up to me. I assume D-Hop has told every quarterback that. That's why he's had, like, 1,000 yards with 11 different uh, yeah. quarterbacks or whatever. But him and Tannehill, for whatever reason, were not able to get kind of jived and started at the beginning of the season. Great for football fans if D-Hop is going to be D-Hop again, by the way, this season. Um, Tomlin's 23-5 and five against rookie quarterbacks in his tenure with the Steelers. I don't know if that matters. Or why is that, Chuck? What does that mean? Why are, uh, like, Bill Belichick supposedly very good they're gonna, they're gonna get after him tonight. How? I mean, they, they, can, do, they can do a four man rush, but TA likes to pressure. He'll bring five guys, he'll play man covers. The the matchup I'm interested in is like you saw what D Hop did, right? Was that Terrell, AJ Terrell, yeah. that he uh -huh. beat on that yeah, one? Really. He is unbelievable at drawing OPIs. He goes over the top, right? And then he starts to clear. Uh, Terrell's trying to lean and locate, and then he pulls his shoulder and pulls through, and you see he's trying to Draw get it. the official, hey, look, this, this offensive pass, he's unbelievable at, especially a rookie corner. Like Joey Porter, I think Levi uh, Wallace is injured. Yeah, Joey might, also has earned a starting position. Mike Tomlin just said that like two days ago. So he's going to go against him. 
Whew. My deal for, for Joey is get your hands on him, but don't, don't get into a chicken fight down the field with him because he's got so much savvy and he's, he's so smart, and he'll get, he'll get him into a deal. And he'll draw a couple pi, fa- and this this same thing will happen to Joey. It won't happen to Pat P. Pat P. will be on the other side because he's he's a veteran. He knows him inside and out. But for a rookie corner to go up against D Hop, it's going to be tough. Yeah, um, knowing this this team and this, they're going to make they're they're going to be fine with D Hop beating them. They're going to be fine with D Hop and Will Levis beating them. It's they're worried about the the end in the backfield run for 205 yards yeah. tonight is what they're going to be worried. I promise you that they're giving up over 140 yards. Rushing a game, the defense is they're gonna they're gonna pack the box and make Will Levis do it again. Yeah, but no, pitch can't happen prime time in Pittsburgh, uh, right? No, Jackson, what, what ETN did with the that ain't gonna happen again in Pittsburgh. No seen it quite a few times in the last uh, couple of seasons. Uh, Cam Hayward's back, so that's uh, huge. Boom. That's huge. That is Hopefully huge that for against the run. But I'm actually not worried about Joey Porter Jr. I'm actually worried about the other guy that you were talking about. Pat P? The other guy. Yeah. Patrick think? Peterson has earned the right to never be called the oh, other guy. Just, w- just would like that on this particular program. Would like that to be known. Now, maybe in well, your fanhood. I, I didn't want to use his name to say bad things about him. Because you have so much respect exactly. for him. He had something underneath on him. He's not going to let him get behind him. He's not going to do that. So let's Pat go to the P- other side of the ball. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens have the opportunity to go over everybody's head. Yep. I mean, that it could possibly. Well, Matt Cannon let it happen. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Ty, and you've been experiencing this with the Packers, I guess, yeah. what should we be watching for tonight on that offensive side of the ball? Brooke Pryor of ESPN just wrote a whole article about how Fire Canada is being chanted at Steelers games, at Pittsburgh Penguins games. It's being chanted at the Capitol. Outside. Right, right. Okay. Right. Outside of the Capitol. No on dust DC. Up. No dust up. Yeah. Well, nobody, Jack Del Rio, nobody was inside chanting this. But on the outside, they were chanting. They chanted in Columbus at our show. They chanted in Utah yeah. at our show. But whenever a fan base gets fed up with seeing a coach fail or the team fail and they think they're not being set up for success, it can get loud. Tonight on primetime, Ty, these gingers could get real loud if this offense doesn't do anything. Well, and I'm sure they will regardless of if they do come out like gangbusters and look great because that's kind of just I mean I mean that's the way it's going to be you know and the Steelers they're they're like you know the the Patriots and and the Packers like I don't think that they they've already kind of made their bed and they're going to sleep in it they're not just going to listen to the fans because they're all pissed off but they just need to I mean I I think Jalen Warren I, I don't know why he he doesn't get more burn like it seems like every time he's in there he kind of he's that change of pace back that like he he kind of always gives them a little bit added juice and and we'll see I mean because you wonder if they don't look at the other side of the field and see a young guy like Will Levis throwing it down the field and maybe Matt Canada will think like okay well may, maybe you know if they're doing this like we we need to allow our guy to try to make some plays down the field I think ultimately though with Levis you do wonder if if the defense kind of hears what Tomlin said earlier in the week and they don't get like a defensive touchdown or maybe get a couple of those advantageous turnovers that they didn't get last week. But, I mean, I, I think you're crazy to think that all of a sudden, you know, the Steelers are going to come out tonight and score 35 points. Like, that's just not the way they play. Coach, I'll be excited to hear your thoughts on what Mike Tomlin said in his press conference, which was like, our punter had an inconsistent day, which he did, which is going to happen in the AFC North, uh, especially in Pittsburgh with the wind it is. He said they need to be better. He said the turn Turnovers. Those weren't really teeing our offense up for points. Like, you need more advantageous. And I think some Pittsburgh fans obviously heard that, and they're like, this guy refuses to admit what the problem is. Oh, We're chanting this yeah. in Utah. We're doing this entire thing. The offense is the problem. I think behind closed doors, I think Tomlin's probably let that defense know, hey, this is on us. 
Like, we see the way this offense is going. You know the Baltimore Ravens in the division won a Super Bowl ride in a defense that was able to win games. You saw the Denver Broncos, whenever Peyton was there, win a Super Bowl. It's like, hey, I know we're in this modern world of the offense is what you need to be able to go and grasp that crown of being the greatest team in the NFL, but we have the chance defense-wise to set up our offense and to score points. I think that's what he was saying more so than burying the defense for the turnovers that they got, but with that being said, that's acknowledging that the offense is so piss poor that you just can't bank on them to do anything no matter how many turnovers or possessions they get. What are you going to do about it? Can't do anything about it right now. I mean, those defensive guys, he's told them, hey, look, this is what I'm going to go say. This is what I have to say. You guys know the deal. He shuts the door. Hey, Terrell Austin, TJ, you do – hey, it's on us. We have to turn – and if you intercept the ball in the end zone, who was it, KZ? Yeah, he's – Don't try to bring it out. He stepped down the two-yard line. So, yeah, we're not teeing anybody up except the other team. Yeah, or the punter. And they all want to – hey, they all want to score. You know, I get I get that. But um, – yeah, they know exactly what has to happen uh, tonight to win this game. It's going to be just like a couple of, you know, every other game that they've won this year. And isn't it fascinating? We haven't even really chatted about it except for you talking about the Steelers. Like Derrick Henry, yeah, you know, yeah. primetime games. Mm-hmm. I remember with those lights on in your head, you just think there's a lot of Derrick Henry just oh, yeah. uh-huh. with his hair like a, like a, like almost like a wasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sure. A dagger. Yeah, down the stinger. The, there a stinger there. there yeah. Come like, on, like a sting. That was great. Good pull by you. Was, yeah. But yeah, like a stinger at the back, and he's just running. And there's like people just like bouncing off of him. Feels like tonight, you know, because Rabel knows we can't if we don't turn this ball over. If we don't give them more possession, we don't let their defense win this game. Their offense not going to be able to do much. That's just kind of what the stats have been. Now they might have a breakout night. Hey. Then I might be the night that Mack and the Kenny yeah, Pickett, maybe. Pickens, Nage, Warren is fireman. Yeah. Who's backup tight end? Oh, uh, what's the name from Georgia? Washington. Washington. Thank you. Yeah. Darnell. Okay, Darnell Washington. He's yeah. six foot seven. The other guys aren't. Yeah. So maybe we find <laughs> him. We not him? They, they they maybe two. No, I don't think so. Yeah. This is like, we got a guy here at the Colts, Johnny Woods. Tight ends have been non-existent this year. This formula, both head coaches got to be, it's the same formula tonight, right? Run. For both teams. We're not turning the ball over. Exactly. Let's just, this is going to be a lot of this. You used to say this. This is what Chuck used to say. He used to say, tomorrow's game, in any game, basically. You know, a boxing match, there's just a lot of like, hey, we're just kind of feeling each other out. A lot of sparring. A lot of sparring. All right, we'll do a little bit, then we'll send the ball to them. Then they're going to do a little bit. Then they'll send the ball back. Then somebody's going to make a mistake. Electric guard down. Boom. Turnover. Now what happens? Bang. Counter. Another one the offense is able to do. Then once that's done, all right, now we're back. There's going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Then somebody's going to make a mistake. Oh, fumble. Electric guard. Boom. Now we hit them. It's like no team wants to be the one to make the mistake. Where some teams operate like, hey, we're... We're throwing. Yeah. We're the ones setting the tempo for this. Tonight feels like it's going to be a lot of sparring and a lot of bouncing back and hey, forth. Hey, the Titans are 24th total offense. Pittsburgh's 30th. Thanks, Chuck. I mean, they don't – I mean – There's 32 teams. That's not yeah, the worst. Not oh, so yeah, it's New England. That's exactly how it's going to happen is it's going to be the turnovers. And, I mean, Pitt's plus seven. They're number two in the national uh-huh. – if they do anything, I mean, this is what they do well is they take care of the ball and they turn the ball over. They're plus seven. That's second in the National Football League. Speaking of that, let's go to the tail of the tape, shall we, here. And that's one of the stats right down there with the turnover margin. Uh, the Titans are negative two. Now, that's with a different quarterback. True. 
Okay? We don't know about Will Levis or what it's going to be. He did throw into double coverage a few times, mm -hmm. which would tell you maybe yeah. he's going to turn the ball over every once in a while in his, uh, his career. But I think what we saw from him was a beautiful keeping of the ball. Season record as a whole, Titans are 3-4. and four. Steelers still second in the AFC yep. North with that 4-3 and three record. Look down on Jeffrey Simmons' stomach there, though. On the road, they're 0-3. Add London game, they're 0-4. Okay, so whenever they're not in Nashville, not necessarily fantastic. The Steelers, although Akersher Stadium, the artist formerly known as Heinz Field, is a great place to have home field advantage. Only 2-2 two and two on the season. Points per game, Titans are scoring 18.9. The Steelers are scoring 16.1. Both of them are in the 20s of the NFL, which also leads to a prediction of... The under. The under wow. in prime time. Total yards per game, 296 for the Titans, 271 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Haven't had a 300-yard game in 55 attempts or something like that. 400. Or 400-yard game. They rarely get over 300 as well, but they have a couple <laughs> times this year. Sorry, haven't gotten over 400 yeah. in like 55 attempts and haven't scored 30 points in like uh, forever. Man. Yeah, since Only Matt team. Canada became the OC, haven't got over 400. They, they got over 30 once last season. It's crazy. Yeah. Just ineptitude at all. And you say like 400 yards is a lot of yards because back in the day you used to think if a running back runs for 100 yards, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If a wide receiver goes for 100 yards, that's amazing. No other team has less than like four 400-yard games over the same time period right. than the Pittsburgh Steelers having absolutely zero. So Ooh. people get the 400 yards a lot more regularly than maybe the old-school football analytics would tell you or expectations are. Tone Diggs, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, 30 uh, once last season. So one time in how long? Oh, 20, Three 20? years. Three years. So it's what, 6, 17, 34, plus another 8, 42. Yep. 42 games. One time scored 30 points. That sucks. Oh, boy. That's tough to watch, too. Twice in the last three seasons. That's tough football to watch. Brutal. Like last year, we were watching the Colts, and they couldn't do anything. The offensive line was actually running a different play than the quarterback, and then the running backs were either hurt or running a different play than both of them. And they just weren't doing anything. It's hard to even show up, and it's hard to cheer. But in Pittsburgh, they don't mind ugly football. They don't mm -hmm. mind defensive football, run game football. But it's just been at a level on the offensive side that I think everybody's kind of sick of. But tonight on primetime, it'll be different. All right, there's other things going on around the NFL. We have a new interim head coach and a new interim GM over in beautiful Las Vegas. Now Josh McDaniels and Dolph Ziggler, Dave Dolph Ziggler, yeah, sorry, yeah. get fired overnight by Mark Davis, who allegedly had lost trust in the pairing being the right ones for the future of the Raiders quickly. We don't know what the exact turning point was for Mark Davis. We don't know if it was when Darren Waller said, get me the hell out of here shortly after signing a new deal. We don't know if it was after they signed a new deal to Derek Carr with a no trade clause and then them forcing him out of the building. We don't know if it was benching Hunter Renfro after signing him to an extension. We don't know exactly what moment it was that Mark Davis said these two are not going to be able to figure it out, but it came on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Now, new OC or new offensive, uh, new head coach and new GM speaking for the first time. And let me tell you, I knew of Antonio Pierce as a football player. I didn't know him as a human. Oh, yeah. No. Chuck, what if this guy's the guy? What if this guy is the guy? Oh, yeah. He's getting an incredible opportunity. He will admit that. But the way he handled this graciously, but also letting everybody know, hey, this ain't going to be old. Mm -hmm. Come run over the Raiders now because we got an interim head coach. Here's Super Bowl champion, New York Giants legend. Now interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce addressing the team alongside Champ Kelly, the new interim general manager for the Raiders in the middle of a season. A teammate, a co-worker, uh, somebody that you're close with, 
we take that very seriously. Uh, there's lives and families that's affected by this, and we understand that. Um, but it's a new day. It's a new chapter. It's a new era. It's a new mindset. What is that mindset? It's that of the rate of pride, the commitment to excellence, and making sure our alumni, our fan base, and Raider Nation are proud of what they see on the field. What does that look like? Tough. What? Passionate. Why? Effort. Why? Energy. Why? That enthusiasm that you see when we all watched our kids and these young men who are now pro athletes play when they're in Pop Warner. Yeah. Having that love for the game. We're on the same page. Champ and myself, our staff is connected. We had a great team meeting this morning. Everybody was steely-eyed and focused. Mm. We walked in with a smile on our face. The synergy, the energy in this building, and the personality of our players will reflect on who we are as Raiders. This is a great opportunity for myself. I'm humbled, I'm honored, and I don't take it lightly. I'm sure there'll be questions about why, how. Those will all get answered. But this is about the players, this is about the Raiders, and this is about this organization. And we're tired of losing. It's not a good feeling. We're a production-based business. We're about competition, being competitive, and play with an edge and a swag and a certain confidence that we walk out that damn tunnel that everybody watching TV can see it and a product on the field is something we're... So what he's talking about is what we all used to think of the Raiders. The Raiders used to have a brand. The Raiders used to have an image. Obviously, in L.A., that image runs deep. He is from Compton. He said that also in this entire thing, he grew up watching the Raiders and knows a lot of Raiders fans, was a Raiders fan. What the Raiders' way was and what they were feared as is something that is obviously not here anymore. Then Marshawn Lynch cut a promo. He's from Oakland. He's yeah. from the town. He cut a promo standing at a press conference. He's a Seahawks legend, but everybody knows that whenever he played for the Raiders, it was because he was representing the city in which the Raiders were in. In their last season, they were there. Always had a deep connection with the Raiders, and they put out something to say, hey, we're doing this the Raider way. It's like, I love the fact that Mark Davis, in the middle of the season, saw what Josh McDaniels and Dave Dolph Ziggler were doing, and we're like, it's the Patriot way, right? That's what everybody says, the Patriot way, the Patriot way, the Patriot way. Mark Davis is like, this isn't a lot of fun. <laughs> this isn't a lot of coming in. Nobody's yeah. happy in this building. Darren Waller said he wanted to get out of Davis' yeah. wedding. I was at his wedding. He said, well, I'm the owner of the bubble. His, his wife is literally on yeah. my team and we just yep. won two world champions. And then he doesn't want to be there. I don't remember I love him or we gave him a lot of money and we don't even play him. And this is not, I want to do things the Raider way. Yeah. And I don't know when it was. He probably had sunglasses on and his haircut was looking fresher than ever. Yep. But then he decides to move on. He goes, listen, Antonio, you're the guy for the job. We need our team to be back to who the Raiders are. I think you coached at the Raiders. I'm not 100% sure. But that Raiders thing was a real thing everywhere. We grew up in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. We knew mm -hmm. what right. the Raiders were. He grew up in Iowa. He knew what the Raiders were. They were going to be fast. They were going to draft a guy that ran a 4-2. For sure. And everything like that. But they were also going to be dogs. Mm -hmm. That's the way the Raiders were kind of viewed and always have been. It feels like they know they've lost their way. Now they're trying to get back to that. That's good for the NFL. And also, I think it's good for 2023 football, the style in which we're playing now. No, absolutely. It gives those, you know, everybody in Raider Nation hope, you know, that he recognized what the hell was going on and said, okay, enough's enough. And how good was that? It was awesome. Jeez, Unreal. Christ. First speech. First speech. I yeah. mean, that's, that's not scripted. That's not read. That's not mm -hmm. somebody with a little piece of paper, right? That's right from the frickin' heart. So authentic. So real. Oh, yeah. I worked with Champ in Chicago. He's a stud. He knows talent. He's a great evaluator. He's a and a better human. These are two really good humans that understand. I was there in 05, 06 in Oakland, 
Mr. Davis was still living and what a privilege that was to work for him and get to see that firsthand. And it is, it's about one thing and one thing only there and that's winning. That's it. And there is nothing else. I mean, there's no, if you had hobbies, you got this, you got that. Like you don't work for Mr. Davis. You don't work <laughs> for his son, Mark. Like John Madden, you remember he talked about John, John don't like golf. John, John just loves football. Well, and John also had to retire when he was 35 yeah. because yeah. he was Care. about sick of it. You yeah. know, he, yeah. they ran him into the dirt. But, but he did win. <laughs> but and he no, was incredible was, on but TV. That, but that yes. was that. But how, how good's that? And you can, they'll be energized. I mean, that it, speech, it, that speech from Marshawn Lynch, too, that they put out on social yes. almost immediately, mm-hmm. it's like they recognize what the problem was. And what do we need to do? We need to let people know that we are not who we have been over the last couple of years. We are who we've always been, which is the Raiders. It's on the Raiders' social media. You can go watch it. He's standing at a press conference, and I don't know how quickly that thing came together, but it was basically like, hey, we're the Raiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to remember that. What if the Raiders become good? The only issue is the Chiefs is the Chiefs. Yeah. So you can go be the Raiders and do the Raider way, and I understand division rivals is different, and I know the Raiders, uh, I think Gruden took the tractor another round mm-hmm. around yep. the, Arrowhead. the, the yes, Arrowhead after beating yes. the Chiefs, yep. I think so, and like doing a victory lap pretty much, and Andy Reid heard about that and was like, I had a burger three days because of that. <laughs> like, yeah. He was not happy. He was actually pissed off about it. So I understand that's going to happen. But when you're in the Chiefs division, that can also expedite some of these decisions that are being made by owners because they're seeing everything that they want two times a year right thrusted in their face. And it's like that's kind of the ripple effect of the Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid era, especially in the AFC West. Well, and it feels like the interim thing, like just make this guy the head coach. Everything he just said is awesome. He obviously knows the the culture and everything, but he's also a former player. Like we had Doug Peterson on, and he talked about how, like, yeah, it's important to be consistent, but this is the player's team. Like He was a former player, Antonio obviously a former player, and he mentioned the alumni in there. Like you've talked about it with the Colts. They just completely – Wiped away the RCA dome and anything that was before Lucas Oil. Shout out, Chuck. But then, like, that can happen at other places, too. I I don't know if McDaniels was like that because they're talking about lengthy meetings, like the way Belichick would talk that we heard about from Cassius Marsh a couple years ago where he's given a whole history lesson on the team. But, like, having that entire mindset just completely flip is pretty awesome, and it turns out Josh McDaniels doing it his own way. He's just an asshole. Potentially. Potentially. Potentially, because the big conversation was whenever he was the Broncos head coach, is everybody said he was trying to be Bill Belichick. Yes. Mm-hmm. This time he said, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm not going to try to be Bill. Mm-hmm. Turns out his way might be similar right. work way. Uh-huh. And if you're not winning, we've talked about this with the Patriot way. Yeah. If you win and you're getting dropped into a new place and you're not Bill Belichick. Now, Bill Belichick, they're talking about him maybe going to the Commanders. <laughs> I mean, really? That, yeah, I think Florio floated that one on the internet. Michael. Florio floated that one. He said, there's rumors. He said, which I agree with Pi. I believe Paisan has his ear to the street, uh, especially with pro football talk success and how connected he has been for a long time. Yeah. But it's like, if Bill was to go implement the Patriot way, Automatic respect, automatic buy-in, we'll do it. Why? Because this dude has a yacht that says, what, seven rings? Seven rings. Seven rings. It is one. The assistant coaches, hey, you you didn't, you don't have that yacht. No. Like, that is how players immediately see it. We'll buy in because what we have been doing hasn't been working. But if the team doesn't win, it's going to be hard to keep your kind of respect between <laughs> yeah. each other. And you can see how it can fizzle out quickly. Seems like that has happened with almost everybody mm-hmm. in the Bill Belichick coaching bush, yep. which we have a, a graphic of that we didn't have yesterday. It's not a tree. 
Okay, tree grows strong. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Tree grows tall. This thing's just a bush. This thing kind of grows sideways. Not a lot of winds. You leave from New England. Bad things seem to happen if you're in the end. 52 and 54, Bill O'Brien, not bad. Got the uh, Texans to the playoffs a couple times. Yep, pretty good. That's actually a pretty good success story. Brian Flores down in Miami. Now, who knows? He, he says he was offered money to lose. Sure, mm -hmm. every game. So that will obviously go below 500. Saban and Miami Dolphins as well, back before he became the greatest college football coach of all time. Again, under 500. Joe Judge, 10 and 23. Josh McDaniels, 20 and 33. Romeo Cornell, 32 and 63. Matt Patricia, 13, 29 and 1. And then Eric Mangini, the man who I heard was running Oklahoma drills on a Wednesday in November uh, with the team at 6 a.m. Ah. 33 and 47 with the Cleveland Browns. All these guys, good football minds, obviously, we would assume. But for one reason or another, it doesn't work whenever they try to go elsewhere and implement what they want to do. Joining us now is a guy who might have an answer on why. Sure. I do believe somebody with his name was also released this particular week oh. from the Las Vegas Raiders. This man, massive respect for the Davis family and also very important piece of the Patriots dynasty. Ladies and gentlemen, friend of the program, a man who's an author, a host, a what? podcast host, a TED Talk speaker, and a guy who has basically figured out everything, it seems like, mm -hmm. in our eyes. Friend of the program, Michael Lombardi. Hey! Lombo. How's everybody going today? Hey, I got that Raider helmet behind me. How about that, huh? <laughs> yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, Mick, uh, the whole thing. And we're doing good. We assume you're doing good as well. This is yeah. this is life in the football world. Now, yeah. when, whenever we put this graphic up, this bush here, Michael Lombardi, I just mm -hmm. spoke from my perspective on it as an outsider looking in who has never been coached by any of these people from the Patriot organization. So it's just kind of my view. Going to be tough to keep the same respect from the players if you're not having, you know, any wins and you're not Bill Belichick. Do you think that's why it doesn't work? What do you think the reasoning is as somebody who was, I mean, you're in the building, advisor, consultant, you know, you wrote a book, football <laughs> done right, literally about that whole thing. Why do you think it doesn't work with the coaches that have coached under Bill Belichick in other places? Well, I think a lot of it, each one is different circumstances, but let's just take, you know, the Josh one as he goes to the Raiders, right? So, look, I've said this numerous times on my podcast. I've said it everywhere. Every time around the draft, I say this. The, Bill Walsh used to say all the time, the last position you fix on your team is the wide receiver. When we were getting ready to trade up for Jerry Rice, we had the 28th pick in the draft. We traded to 19. He wanted to trade up because he felt the team was perfect around him. And he said to me, now is the time to get a blue chip receiver. Now, because we're good. He said, when you're not good, you can't because it creates conflict. Can't get the ball to him, can't protect. And I think when the Raiders went there, when Josh went there in terms of team building, uh -huh. that move, the first move he made was great and it won a lot of fanfare. But the reality is if you can't protect and you can't rush the passer, it ends up not working out, and you get a disgruntled player like Devontae who's saying, hey, how come I'm not getting the football? I think a lot of this has to go back to team building, and one of the things I don't think Bill gets enough credit for is his ability to build a team, his ability to understand how to build a team. You know, you can criticize, well, they didn't have this draft pick or they missed all that. Bill's has unique ability to understand how to build a team, and I think for all the conversations about we need more receivers, we need more receivers, we need more receivers, right? we got to address more receivers. At the end of the day, the teams that get to the final team, the verdict, and this is Al Davis's belief too, right, because I work for him, size, speed. We're going to win the offense and defensive lines. And I think teams that uh, – I think when you look at that board, 
you know, the thing that jumps out, they didn't have quarterbacks, but mostly they didn't reinforce their offensive lines. And that is what gets most of them. That's what got the problems in New York, in, in Las Vegas. I mean, their offensive line, Colton Miller, and then they've got a bunch of guys. Defensive line, Max is tremendous, but they don't have enough to really control the game. And then it puts so much pressure. And you're right. Look, if you don't win, if you lose a 20-point lead at home against Arizona, if you lose to Jeff Saturday, a new coach, if you lose to you know Baker Mayfield, who just shows up, and then you lose in Chicago to a rookie quarterback from Shepard, you're going to lose the confidence of the team. That's just the reality of the business we've chosen, right? And for my son, he'll grow from this. It's a great learning experience. He had a great opportunity with Josh. We're forever thankful for that. But like Chuck knows, we all learn from this. The greatest lessons we can learn are from our mistakes. And nobody's shooting a Hollywood movie here now. Like there's no perfect endings in the NFL. Because even when you win the Super Bowl, you ask this guy to get up the next day and try to win it again. And it's hard. So it's about understanding that. I think what you just said about your son there was very cool to hear, by the way. As you started speaking about it, I felt like a sense of real joy inside because you were doing a little dadding there while you're also informing all of us about it. And I think Nick Saban, who'll be joining us in 30 minutes, his actual one of his first quotes he said on here is, we can never waste a failure. You can never waste a failure. And that's like, nope. you learn from it, you move on, you grow from it, and I assume Mick will definitely do that. You bring up a very valid point, though. feels like all these teams that do stink based around the offensive line. So then if the offensive line doesn't work, well, then the offense can't work. And if your offense can't work, we're not going to be able to score, and you're going to lose games. That's just how it all goes. It's very fundamental thinking, and I appreciate that. Can we now talk about the personal standpoint of it, of like the Patriot way, you know, going in there? And you said if you lose the confidence of the team, they're obviously going to be out. Do you think there is something to that, though, about the Patriot way maybe just being impossible to implement other places? Maybe because they don't have Tom Brady. I mean, that could be a good conversation starter. Yeah. But also, the reason why the Patriot way works, right, is because Bill has an ability to identify the players that would be right to work in the Patriot way and how they kind of operate, maybe take a little bit less money, not as much high profile, buy-in, have to know three different positions, have to be able to do everything, have to have a different game plan in the second half than in the first half. So whenever you're trying to implement this with the wrong people, it's almost like a square thing trying to get shoved into a circle. Is that potentially a reason that doesn't get really talked about much with the whole Patriot yeah, way not working anywhere else? Well, I think the Patriot way is really about the head coach being able to make really good decisions. And I think if you look at all those instances that you put up there, you could probably see there were a lot of bad decisions. You know, we sign this player, sign that player, don't sign this player, don't sign that. I think at the end of the day, Bill is a really good decision maker. And look, you're always, to me, the mistake that makes in Las Vegas is the expectations, right? Chuck and I were we're there. There's always these expectations for the Raiders to win. They've had two winning seasons in 21 years, right? They've had two positive point differentials in 21 years. Like people walk around like the Raiders have been this incredible franchise. We have struggled for over since we went to the Super Bowl in 02. We've had they've had two playoff years, and that's the only positive. And the one playoff year they lost the wild card. They were negative. So you got to get sense of here's what we got to do to fix the team, and you got to make really good decisions. You got to make really good decisions. And I think that's where Bill has such an advantage because every team that has three circumstances to it, right? You got a team competing for the Super Bowl, San Francisco, Philadelphia, that. They make decisions differently than the team trying to get respectability. 
And until you can figure out what bracket you're in in terms of decision-making, it makes it very challenging. Chicago trades a high second-round pick for Montez Sweat without a contract. They're a team trying to get respectable, but they're making decisions as if they're trying to get to the Super Bowl. Those things don't stay in harmony. Trading for a wide receiver, who's then you don't have an offensive line, and you're paying him a lot of money, and you give up draft picks. That's a team that's trying to get respectable that's thinking they're a Super Bowl team. See, it's all about what are your expectations and where are you? And that comes down to team building. And that's where I think this Patriot way gets kind of caught up in, you know, the Patriot way. Look, I've been in a thousand meetings with him. Belichick doesn't treat anybody disrespectful. So let's put that out there. Like, that's ridiculous. But what he does respect is people handling the program and the expectations. And I think some of that gets lost. And I think that's really the biggest issue is, some guys in that group haven't made really good decisions. It's an interesting slew of things you just mentioned there because, like, knowing, having self-awareness on where your team is and making decisions off of that as opposed to where you wish your team was, you know, like, that is certainly a part of building a team there. And you, I think you even said it about Chicago. You brought up Chicago there with the Montez Sweat thing, which I can't wait to ask you about here in about a second. But whenever people were saying Justin Fields, he's in the MVP conversation, you were like, Let's get him good first, yeah. and then yeah. we'll get him into the MVP conversation. It's like acknowledging where you are has to be the biggest point in your decisions that you make. So let's talk about Chicago. Hey, well, well, is Bill going to bring back Josh McDaniels for free because the Raiders are paying him for the next four years? <laughs> That's what's happening. I, I have no idea. Yeah, you, you do know. know. You do know. We I all know. know. I yeah, really me, don't. Yeah. I think me Josh. Too. I do think. I think Josh is going through a lot of things in his life. I think Josh probably needs a break from it. You know, this is the second job he's had where he hasn't gotten through the second year. And I think that's something that he's going to have to figure out and make an adjustment to his career as he goes on. Look, the one thing that for my son and all of us in this industry, right, we have contracts and there is financial security that comes with getting fired. You don't really have the need to go to work right away. You could take some time to reflect. And for Josh, that would be a really good thing because we're human beings, right? We can only take – if we take time to do an autopsy on what went wrong, that's the only way we get better. Yeah. There's some guys who, you know, I've heard that have gotten fired from some college gigs and they became professional golfers for two years, making mm -hmm. $8 million a year. Smart. Yeah. Hey, yeah. What, are you, what are you doing this year? Are going to get back into consulting or advising? Uh, I'm going to Scotland. <laughs> yeah. I got Ireland. Uh, I am Arizona. Mm -hmm. I'm becoming the best golfer. I'm a professional golfer. They're, they're literally paying me to do that, but then they can get back in it at some point. Football guys always end up back in football. We assume the best for Josh. We assume the best for Dave Dolph Ziggler and also your son, Mick Lombardi, and everybody across the league that ends up getting turned over every single year, seemingly one after another. Now let's go to Chicago. You said they, uh, yeah. they bring in sweat because they want to go on a Super Bowl run. That's what they think, but they just need to become a good team before they can become a great team. There was a theory out there and a narrative talking about how they have $110 million in salary cap next season. Montez Sweat going to be a free agent. So instead of, you know, trying to negotiate in the offseason where there might be a bidding war for him, they decide to get him in the building and make uh, use of a second rounder because they're not going to be able to find him in the second round of the draft and get a deal done beforehand. Kind of an early start on free agency. Do you see that ever happening before? No. And is that not no. what the game okay. That's hogwash. That's completely uh, okay. cool. Okay. That's completely ridiculous. <laughs> like, first of all, you're giving up a tremendous asset, right? You're giving up a high second round pick. Here's what people have to understand. In every draft, I don't care what Mel says. I don't care what Jeremiah says. I don't care what every draft, Nick, going back to Jerry Jones and the drugstore list. I don't care. There's always between 10 and 15 guys that you say in a draft 
These guys are starters from day one. That's a first-round pick. Forget about I took him in the first round. You have to define the player. This guy is a starter, and he comes in and starts. And once you get past 10 or 15, depending on the draft, everybody else is a potential starter. So whoever I pick at 18, I might get the same player at 34. Now, I may not get a good grade from Mel or a good grade from Todd or a good grade from Daniel, but it's the same grade. The player's the same player, essentially the same player, right? A.J. Brown went in the second round, okay? Is he not better than some of the guys that went in the first? Of course he is, right? So you just gave away a very cheap contract, four years, nothing to potential starter for four years to then go pay a guy a ridiculous sum of money when you could have signed him to a ridiculous sum of money for nothing, for nothing. Like, I don't want to hear this crap. Well, we got to jump on him. Look, here's what I do know. Money talks. You put enough money in front of a player, yeah, and you're going to get the guy. You're going to get the guy. I, like this is not like it doesn't because he likes our campus. Okay. Oh, we got a nice campus. Look, we we feed you. We cook. No. How much coin am I getting? And if you outbid somebody, you're going to get them. That's been proven over time. So like enough with this. I think that was the dumbest trade you could possibly make. I don't care what Ryan Poles tries to defend it with. He should not have done that. And why do you think Washington turned that in? Because probably Marty Herney's on the other end of the phone saying, are you, are you sure you're going to give me your two for this? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yep, okay, I'm doing it. Like, really? And here's the thing that's amazing. Most of these deals that have come in, Pat, most of these deals that have come in, the team has paid most of the money. So, like, Leonard Williams gets traded to Seattle. John Snyder's not paying him anything. The Giants are paying him $9.4 million. Thank you very much. You can have my two. I'll trade down in the second. I'll trade down the first. I'll pick it back up. Chase Young, you pay the salary. I'll give you a three. Oh, thank you, Rand Carthon. That was your three that I just gave away. Here's a bouquet of flowers. Like, nobody's trading away anything except for Chicago, who's done it two years in a row. And everybody wants to say, oh, Lombardi, you're a Chicago hater. No, I'm a dumb hater. I hate dumb decisions. <laughs> Decision-making is the most important part of it all. You literally just got done saying it. You think that that was a terrible one? Monte Sweat, I've heard. He's going to go on to have the NFL sack record next year oh, right. for the Chicago Bears. That exactly. Eberflus defense. It won't defense. make the trade right. It will not make the trade right. It has. This has nothing to do with about Sweat as a player. It has nothing to do. He's a good player. Oh, you're it, has saying, to do with, it has everything to do with the mechanics of operating your team. Got it. You're just saying fundamentally this was bad. Fundamentally, this is. Yeah. This is. They're showing a six. You currently have seventeen, and you're hitting. Like, that is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Got it. That's right. Can't, it's just like, can't just do be that. patient. He's not going to win us any more games. Like, he's not going to. So, even if he does, he's not worth getting the Super Bowl. But if we collect that pick and we sign him next year, now we got double the pleasure. All right, let's talk about some other decisions that were made in press conferences. Ty has a question for you. Yeah, Lombo, recently Brian Gutekinds basically said, hey, these next 10 games are going to be incredibly important for Jordan Love, and and they don't necessarily know if he's the guy moving forward. Um, At what point, you know, with you being a former GM, like – well, would he ever, put, if it doesn't work out, would he ever basically kind of face that given everything that happened with Rodgers leaving and them kind of being ready to go on a Super Bowl run? Like, would he ever admit any wrongdoing in that situation? And ultimately, if it doesn't work out, who do you think this uh, this selection would fall at the feet of? Is it more on him or is it more on LeFleur who was kind of expected to bring him along in his development and get him ready? And he just, over the last five weeks or so, he's he's looked like he's regressed quite a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it's everybody's fault, right? I mean, whenever you make, whenever you lose, it's everybody's fault. Everybody in, La, in Las Vegas was reasonably responsible for losing. You know, Pierce, uh, Chip, uh, Champ, Champ Kelly, all those. Everybody, you have a little hand in it, right? You've got to assume responsibility. You're here because of that, and it's the same thing with Love. Look, Love is having a hard time just throwing completed passes. You know, that's a real challenge. He's not throwing the ball with any accuracy, either short or long. The other thing is they keep giving the ball to AJ Dillon. And they keep getting themselves. He averages 3.1 a carry. I mean, when you take Love's rushing stats out of the Green Bay rushing, they average 3.3 yards a carry. I mean, they don't can't run the ball, so they're not really getting the kid in a chance to really where he can make some plays and the game comes easy. Aaron Jones is right the there, season. too. Yeah. Aaron Jones is right there, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so that, to me, I think he, I think Brian's right. Look, 20 games usually defines the quarterback. 17, and then, you know, it was 16 and 4, but a season and then a September. But, so I would say 20, but I think once he's going to know exactly what he has in the player, and then he's got to be honest with himself, right? Because the worst thing you want to do is double down on a mistake. You can't make a mistake twice. Like, if you don't think he can play – if New England doesn't think Mac Jones can play, if Chicago doesn't think Fields can play, you got to make that decision. It may be unpopular, but that's the only way you're going to get better. No ownership in Green Bay, right? That's been a topic of discussion on our particular program because the Aaron Rodgers situation where it's like right. we heard what happened with Kraft and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Feels like that'd be able to handle it. Do you think Goody and LaFleur completely safe here? regardless? Because they kind of – I don't want to say kind of. I mean, Aaron – you know, kind of. Yeah. And well, I, the I team think has this, gone. Murph, 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 Murph's got to gotta take some responsibility, the president. See, what he did, nobody talks about, right? He splintered the Packer fundamental organization when Ron Wolf came in there. And before Ron Wolf, it was Tom Browns. And the Packers have always have been, since Lombardi left in 69, an organization that splits the duties of the coach and the, and the general manager. When Wolf was hot, when Bratz was hired, from Atlanta back in the 80s. He was the GM. He hired Lenny Infante. They fired Bratz. They hired Ron Wolf. They gave him. He hired Mike Holmgren. That's always been the dynamic. Mike Sherman kind of messed it up a little bit for a couple of years, but then they went back to it, right? And so when Murphy became the president of the team, they changed that. He became the power broker. He became everybody reports to me. I make the decisions. You do the draft. LaFleur, you run the team, but essentially everything comes through me. And now he's in much involved in the Aaron decision, the love decision, all that. That's collective, right? So nobody can run from it. Nobody can run from it. And they've got to make a decision like Mark Davis did. Does this, can this regime get us moving forward? And I think ultimately, when you look at some of the good players they have on their team, particularly defensively, they are better. Now, they don't play to that well defensively. Wow, you know, cool. they've stuck with Joe Barry and they feel like he's the right guy. I think that's He's something not. to have a conversation about. Ty got so mad. You even mentioned his name. Ty just uh, literally just heated in his seat because it's the same year, uh, same stuff for another new year. Well, let, ask this question. Say Jim Schwartz was the defense. Say if they hired Jim Schwartz this offseason and put him in Green Bay. What do you think their defense would look like? Like, look, Green Pretty Bay has some really good Green players Bay. defensively. They, they're good. I mean, chuckle to – like, they're not they, – now, look, they just lost their corners. Their situation is – you know, that's harder. But you can rush. And when you can rush, you should be better. But the one thing they can't do is stop the run. They haven't been able to stop the run against good teams. Yeah, Paisan. So Mark Murphy is the president, the power broker. 
the board that would have to be the ones that would fire. I don't know how much you know the insides of that. They have like a board of all the rich people in Wisconsin, right? Yep. Powerful mm-hmm. people yeah. in Wisconsin. They are technically the Packers board and they vote on stuff and they make the decisions. They're running great business, by the way. Mm-hmm. The real estate right. around Lambeau, boom, and they're making like two hundred million a year yeah. off of real estate. That we, we, had to, about. we had to see that we yeah, we had to see their books because they're a publicly owned team and yada yada. They run a good business over there. They're very profitable. It is obviously a historic franchise, a lot of fans and everything like that. So they would have to vote out Mark Murphy, which would then that but would he's be- leaving though, Pat. He I think he's resigned. I think he's like in his last year. Right? He's in his last year. Because in my new book, Football Done Right, I made a strong case for Jack Venisi to be up on the wall because he was the instrumental in the Packers. Thank you, Pat. He was instrumental in the Packers getting all those Hall of Famers. And they won't put his name up on the wall of fame for the Packers, which is an injustice after he drafted 12 Hall of Fame players. I mean, now he, they say, well, he didn't have the general manager title. It's bull. It's really bull. He's the reason Lombardi ended up going to Green Bay. Now, he died at 33 years old, so nobody knows about him. But Murphy now is no longer going to be the president. They're going to hire a new chairman of the board, and that guy will come in or woman will come in and run the team. So I think he's on his way out. He's already said goodbye. So I think 2025, whenever he turns 70? Yeah, July 2025, when he turns 70, I guess he announced his intention to retire. So that means probably Guti and LaFleur probably, right? Tied in yeah. the hip with hope, him? Probably. So. Yeah. What? Huh? And Joe Barry? Yeah, you hope hope so. <laughs> and Joe Barry. Tone has a last question for you here. We appreciate you, Longbow. <laughs> yeah, Longbow, yeah. we just had the uh, trade deadline on, on Tuesday. Um, some stuff happened, not a ton. Was there anything that you thought uh, there was a team, a contender out there that should have done more that just pops out to you? I think oftentimes what happens is the teams that want to do something, they're shopping for discounts, right? And if you can't get a discount unless you're the Bears who don't mind overpaying, you don't make a deal, right? <laughs> everybody was sniffing around trying to get a deal, but everybody wasn't offering enough. I mean, look, look at the 49ers. They took, they got Chase Young for a low third round pick. So that would have meant if somebody else would have offered them, anybody else, say, you know, pick a team, say Denver would have offered them a third, they would have gotten them. But there was no offers that good. So I think it was a lot of kick the tires, but nobody wanted to spend real money. And there was really not enough to want to make a deal. That's what happens at the trade deadline. Everything's measured. If you have a free agent, you're measuring what it, what they're giving you based on what you could get if he's a compensatory pick. That's always the case. And when you overpay like Chicago did, Jeez. you just say yes immediately. Just go ahead. Give them. Okay, we're doing that deal. Hey, Chicago, good work. Mm-hmm. Sounds like sounds like you guys are really active out there. A lot more <laughs> active than everybody else, Zito. Yeah, thanks, Lombo. Uh, Lombo, we, as Daily Sports Talk... We're part of the problem. We understand it, okay? We're sorry. Sorry. We live and die with the moment. But it feels like the last couple years, we have said, oh, the NFL trade deadline is getting more active than it's ever been. That's what we say. Yep. We we say it every time. (laughs) We're a part of the problem. We get fans excited. And we want to let you know, we're genuinely excited as well. This is not like uh, Fugues. We we love trades. Everybody loves trades. It's just hard to make trades. It's hard to make them because in the trade deadline, People are trying to get something cheap. I mean, Howie would have made five trades if he could have won the trade, you know, but he couldn't, nobody was willing to, nobody was willing to bite. And so look, they're smart. You know, Howie's not going to give away his store to get one player. He's thinking about today and tomorrow. So I, I think that's what happens to the trade deadline. Everything's measured against what we could get in free agency. And people are probably interested, probably, mm-hmm. but also Going to have to be the right deal. Now, mm-hmm. we're running out of time, and we apologize, but do you have a couple uh, quick picks for the weekend? How are you feeling about the board? Uh, uh, 
I love I, I love Kansas City this week. I think Mahomes, who's played three of his worst games in his 88-game career exactly. this year, last week, he won't have another bad one. I like them this week, and I like Philadelphia. I think Philly will play well. Those are my two right there. We appreciate you so much, Paisan. Obviously, Thank Bob, you guys. Bob Knight passed away. I know he's a great leader. Appreciated your tweets about him. Indiana love loves Coach that Knight. man. Coach, the greatest experience of my life was watching Coach Knight coach practice. The gr- and then going out to lunch with him and Belichick and the great Gil Brandt, the four of us having lunch at some luncheonette, uh, it was the greatest moment, greatest moment. Well, we appreciate you, and I appreciate your post. I think everybody in Indiana does, obviously. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombard. Thank you. Yeah, rest in peace to Bob Knight, obviously a legend. Uh, he, I didn't really know much about him before I got out here to Indiana when I was drafted to the Colts. And once you start meeting the locals and hanging out with them, you got a lot of Hoosier fans here, IU fans. They basically will explain to you that he is the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay bar none, and also most entertaining basketball coach oh, yeah. of all time. Now, obviously, he's not perfect, they would follow up with. With the way he coaches yeah. and the way he goes about doing his things, there are some flaws that certainly come alongside of it, but he built up Indiana basketball to a place that they've been dreaming about since he left and they weren't able to get to before he got here. He is very beloved, very appreciated, and his passing hit hard here in Indiana to oh, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So rest in peace to Bob Knight. Thanks for making everybody's lives that we're friends with here in Indiana much better, and uh, you done good. I hope they did bury you upside down. Yeah, yeah. I hope you know sure had opportunity. Yeah, had sure opportunity. Dude. Joining us now from an attic in Ohio is a man who's a college football national champion, a Super Bowl champion, right. a Ryder Cup winner, father of ten, COVID survivor, an absolute legend, the current president of Ohio, the number one ranked team in the country, Ohio State Buckeyes. Wow, AJ Hawk. Yeah. How you doing, AJ? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Hey, not as good as those Ohio State Buckeyes, huh? Number one in the country, you guys. I mean, Strength none of, of that record. Who, who cares where you're at right now? Win every game and everything takes care of itself. No, no, this matters. Come yeah, on. This matters. No, yeah. no, it doesn't. No, yes, it, it does. does. You guys are number one. Support yeah. your team. Yeah, it matters, yeah. If you're in the top four when the last poll comes out, that's what matters, yeah. Joining us now is a man who <laughs> I would assume hates hearing these polls whenever his team's at number one and doesn't mind it whenever his team is ranked low because it's an added motivation or distraction in the middle of a very important season. Speaking of, in just two days, there is a battle for the SEC West happening down in Tuscaloosa. College game day will be there, and this man will be coaching his team who has one loss on the season but has rattled off the last six in beautiful fashion, harder than ever, Coach Nick Saban. Yeah, Coach! I know, guys. Coach. Massive game coming up here in a couple days, obviously. Every game's a massive game, especially if you're trying to win a national championship. Whenever that CFP top 25 official one comes out for the first time this early in the season, how do you view it? How do you keep it from being a distraction? Do you use it as motivation? And how do you feel about it as a whole this early in the season, Coach? Well, you know, I kind of agree with AJ on this one. Um, (laughs) You know, it really matters where you end up at the end in the last poll, if you can get in the top four. Well, the only way you can get in the top four is to play every game that you have remaining uh, to the best of your ability. And the best way to do that is focus on the things that you need to do every day in practice to create the right 
habits, techniques, whatever you want to call it. So when you get in a game, you're not thinking about it. You're just out there playing hard and executing and doing what you need to do to help your team win. I think that's the most important thing to do at this stage in the season. So does the poll matter? Yeah, it matters, but it doesn't matter until the end. So wherever you're ranked now does not really matter. Uh, what matters is, is how do you finish and how do you finish the season? And that comes one play at a time. Love that. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah, the one play at a time thing, it makes so much sense when you talk about that. you got to focus on what we need to get better at every single day. But how do you do that? Like, how do you keep your foot on the gas after all this time? It's a long season. We know that. Like, how do you do that every single day? Not just the players. You, too. You, Yeah, too. coaching staff as well. I, I come up with try to do different things to, like, get the players to pay attention. So, like, yesterday after practice – I said, I want everybody to put their hand over their ear because I don't want what I want to say to go one in, in one ear and out. Oh, the catch other. it. Catch it and throw it back in. Got it. So, like, it was like the ultimate attention getter. Like, what, what is he going to say now? And I said the same thing I've been saying all week. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but they listened. I don't know if they listened before, but I think they listened yesterday. So, hopefully, they're always trying to come up with a new way. Uh, to try to get them to uh, pay attention and not focus on the wrong things. And we live in a very outcome-oriented world right now. So to get people to stay focused on what you need to do to get the outcome is always challenging. Well, I think they are listening, and I think they respect and appreciate the hell out of you. Here's your quarterback talking about your birthday on Tuesday on Halloween and what the best gift would be. I think the biggest gift he wants is a win this week. <laughs> we we all know that, yeah. We all know that in the locker room, but we all definitely gonna tell him happy birthday. He he can know, but he, but but he's still acting young. That's the funny part, you know. He do everything young, and he, he yeah he he a lot of fun though. <laughs> and coach, we saw the reaction to the room whenever you walked into the team meeting room on your birthday. These players love you, coach. And I know he said it. You're old. We won't say that. Okay, we won't, hey, no. we won't say that. You're just hitting your prime right now. You're just hitting your prime. You're at the lake house this past weekend yep. having a birthday. I mean, you're just hitting your prime. But this far into it, how do you stay in a manner that is relatable enough to this generation and also still have the competitive stamina to want to build these relationships with all of your players? Is it just something like if you weren't doing it, you think you would pass away? Like, why do you think you're still able to do what you're doing at the level in which you're doing it? Uh, you know, I, I really like doing it. I, I, I think, and I think the sort of key to it all is, um, you know, you want players to respect you. You know, there was probably a time when, you know, we all coached with a little bit more intimidation to create fear. So people would do things the way we wanted because they were afraid not to. I know that's how it was when I played. Right? But I think now, and I enjoy this so much more, is – you know, you really want players to respect you. So you're trying to teach a player to do something and he sees that it makes him better. All right. So then he has a respect for you. And because he has this respect, he doesn't want to disappoint you. So um, you're helping him, but yet you've created a relationship with him uh, that makes him want to do things at a high level for you on a consistent basis because you helped him get better. And I think that's, that's my philosophy for the last 15, 20 years. I don't know. Makes coaching fun, uh, and I think it makes it more fun for the players. 
Let's talk about Jalen Milrow, and I love your mindset. He has gotten much better this season, I think, in our eyes. I don't know how it is being viewed to practice or by you and everything like that. But what have you seen from him, especially coming off the bye week, that makes you believe this is the best Milrow has been? And obviously this LSU team is going to be a very, very tough defense for your offense over there in Tuscaloosa. There's no question about that. LSU's got really, really good players. They got a phenomenal offensive team, number one in the country in yards. Quarterback's fantastic. They got great skill guys. Defensively, you know, they're really good up front. They've had some injuries in the secondary, but they play hard uh, and they do the things that I think that their team can do best. But from Jalen's standpoint, he's had a really good week. Uh, I think he's gaining more and more confidence and he's also gaining. Uh, the ability to stay focused on the next play and not get frustrated in terms of what happened on the last play, which staying in the moment uh, is really the most important thing you have to do in games like this. You're not going to play a perfect game. You're not going to hit every throw. Uh, you got to learn from the last play, focus on the next play, uh, do what you have to do to make that play work and not be affected by it. And that's one of the things that when you have an outcome-oriented sort of attitude uh, it would be simple you know if i want to score 35 points in a basketball game and that was my expectation going in i played a really good game but i only scored 15 points i would be frustrated and disappointed because as soon as you create this expectation for yourself you're just setting yourself up for to get frustrated if you don't reach that plateau so we Jalen has gotten better and better and better in my opinion at being able to play one play at a time and being able to stay focused, and even if he has a bad play, stay in the right mindset to execute the next play. Don't think you got to do something crazy uh, because you messed up on the last play. So he's gotten better at that, and I think that's helped his consistency, but I also think his confidence is a lot better as well. We've seen him laugh a lot. He has a he has a magnetic laugh. I mean, yeah. his, his chuckle is, yeah. Big personality. You love it. Yes, sir. I do. <laughs> Hey, is he, he's a hilarious dude. We, we were saying behind the scenes, boys love him. Yeah, I think the players, you know, he's got, you know, lots of respect for, you know, his teammates. And I think when you give respect, you get respect. And I think that that's something that, you know, this team has done a really good job of. They, they We've got really good team chemistry and they've showed a resiliency that, you know, some of our – and, you know, how do you respond to hard? You know, we had a really good team last year, but if you look at it, when it got right down to the end of the Tennessee game or the end of LSU game, you know, we didn't handle hard very well. You know, and um, I think, you know, when you're, if you want to be a really good team, you got to be able to handle hard well. I mean, when things get difficult, that's when you got to be able to stay focused and be relentless in how you go about doing your work. Well, not only do you lose early in the season, you also bench quarterback early in the season see how he responds. He comes back. And then first couple games he's back, we're running the ball a bunch, and we're not really throwing. Then all of a sudden we open it up. It's like your team every single week. You, you're talking about resiliency and being tough and not folding and everything. It's like it's been fun to watch. Only two other one-loss teams ranked ahead of you in the CFP Top 25, which matters, Coach. It matters. It certainly matters, Coach. Does. One loss is different for different teams, but – Two losses is a killer in college football. So that's why we got to focus and try to finish, you know, like we need to finish. 
It's a big one this weekend, too. There's an interesting little inside story happening as well. Ty has a question for you. Yeah, Coach, a lot is always made about when you're coaching against one of your former assistants. But with this weekend and Tommy Reese, now I, I doubt that you're really changing, you know, like the, the game plan too drastically or anything like that. But is there any advantages maybe that uh, you guys have with him being a former player under Brian Kelly and coaching there and all that kind of firsthand knowledge that he has of what he likes to do? Or is that mostly just media fodder? Uh, I think probably a little more media fodder because, you know, when you actually do the scouting reports and, you know, look at the film and do all the cut-ups, we've got probably a hundred different cut-ups that we watch about things. You know, they kind of get it, what we're doing. We kind of get it, what they're doing. So, uh, if you had any inside information, it probably wouldn't be much to add on to what you would learn, you know, through the course of your preparation. Um, but I know when we play against our former assistants, I always think they kind of know what we do. Uh, and uh, But I think the thing you got to be careful of is, you know, players have confidence in what you're doing. So if you go into a big game and you make a lot of changes – you know, in what you're doing, do they really think you have confidence in what you've been doing oh. or do they think you don't have confidence in them that they can do what they've been doing and still have a chance to win the game? And they start looking at you like, why are we doing all this stuff? So um, I think you got to be careful about that. But you want to technically do what you need to do to have a chance to be successful in any game. On whether you're playing offense, defense, or special teams. It's just another game. It's just another game. Now, we're changing first down, second down, and third down. <laughs> it's just another game, though. Everybody stay calm. Coaches, you learn a lot about them in those moments. I, I assume none, none of those types of guys get hired at Alabama, I'd assume. <laughs> yeah, you got to make your best decisions on game day, and it's no different for coaches. That comes from good preparation on what – to expect in certain situations and you know hopefully you do the best thing that gives you the best opportunity to be successful and try to minimize negative plays by good preparation in terms of recognizing what the other team's going to do and uh, have have a chance to be in the right call to you know help take that away some of these coaches though in those big moments mm -hmm. just lose their mind it's awesome to watch you see it unfolding maybe in pittsburgh aj has a question for you coach Coach, when you're game planning for, for any team, like how much are you catering and game planning towards their coordinators and their head coach towards, you know, compared to maybe the personnel that they have on the field? I know a lot of times if coaches will pull up clips from six years ago of, hey, this coordinator was over at a school I was at, and they ran a couple plays, and they'll pull things out like that. Are you actually game planning against coordinators and thinking about what they've done in the past or more towards what they have on the field right now? Well, I think you, you, you want to do a little bit of both. You know, you, you want to understand history, you know, of what people have done. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I always, and Chuck would probably agree with this, that when you're in the NFL, because there's 32 teams and you play the same teams quite often, you sort of develop this history on all the coordinators and the people that you're going to have to play against. And um, you kind of know what to expect because of this history. I think in college, we probably do a little less of that, uh, but we do it some. Uh, and you kind of see what parts of what they've done in the past fits with the players that they have now. And you see, and, and that's really what you have to, you know, get your players to understand how you have to stop it. And, you know, what LSU does, man, that, 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 that offensively, first of all, the quarterback is phenomenal. So good. He, he can run. 
He's a very good passer. He reads things. He's got great anticipation on where he's going to go with the ball. He's got really good skill players outside. They got a good back. They got a good offensive line. They can run the ball downhill at you. But they're really running triple option in a lot of the, you know, quarterback runs they have, you know, zone read, arc, zone read, street. So they got a dive. They got a quarterback running. They got a guy running in the flat that can be the pitch man. So um, these things all complement, you know, all the other things that they do. Uh, So um, to answer your question, we're trying to focus on what they're doing now uh, because that's that that really is important in terms of the way they use their personnel and they have really good personnel. Yeah, Daniels is phenomenal to watch. He's only gotten better too. Last year he led the team in rushing and obviously passing in that overtime thriller. And on the defensive side, guy was 18 years old, Perkins, last year. Now he's 19. He's number two on the team in pass breakups. He leads him in sacks. Not as many splash plays as last year, but we got to prepare for him? Or what are we thinking about with that LSU defense? Yeah, well, number four is a really good player. I mean, this guy is dynamic in terms of his quickness his burst his acceleration how fast he reacts to things he's a good pass rusher um and you know they use him out there in the apex some you know almost like a star and he's a great blitzer and but the guy makes an unbelievable amount of plays unbelievable um and whatever they're asking him to do and they've used him a lot of different ways and He's been pretty good every time they've called on him. He's done a really good job wherever they put him. He was awesome to learn about last year. So young. 6'1", 220. Seems to be all over the film all the time. You're in the NFL. You chatted about that. Last question here from Connor. Yeah, Coach, a big conversation we were having last hour was about the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and you and him obviously are two of the all-time greatest, if not the two greatest coaches in your respective leagues. But why do you think that some guys leave those trees, whether it be Belichick or your own, and have success and not? Obviously, the guys that you coach with, Kirby, Sark, like they have a lot of success. Whereas Bill's, you know, coaching tree, also known as a bush, because it's not, you know, strong like a redwood, uh, don't have as much success. Is there something where they're trying to kind of copy you or Bill, or they aren't being themselves? Why do you think that happens? Well, uh, I think probably first of all, it starts with the fact that. I think one of the most important things in the NFL, if you're going to build a good team, right, is do you have people in the building that are in alignment? Okay, whether you're general manager, head coach, whatever it is, they're in alignment in terms of the kind of players you want to bring to the team and how you're going to use them, the kind of people you want to bring to the team, all those things need to be in alignment. You know, what Bill's always done a great job of, in my opinion, is he's always had everybody in the building is on the same page. In other words, they're all looking for the same things, same type of players. You know, he defines uh, just about everything for you in terms of what the expectation is for every position. You know, we had critical factors for every position where everybody in the building knew what those were. And those are the kind of players that we were looking for. So, but he had control of that. Even when I went to Miami, uh, it was hard to get everybody in the building on the same page because there's a lot of people that were there before and you can't just hire whoever you want to hire in the NFL. You know, you could say, okay, I want to hire these guys to get everybody in alignment, but that guy's on a contract with some other team. So you can't hire them. So it's much more difficult in the NFL in terms of you have a better opportunity in college to change your roster because we have free agency, basically Uh, any player you can get from another team And you can recruit as many players and do as good a job in recruiting as you choose to do to get players to your team. 
So I, I think it's a little different, um, you know, in the NFL as opposed to, you know, college. And I don't think it's a good, a good comparison. But I do think Bill is one of the best coaches all time from the standpoint of very well organized, organizes everybody in the organization, has everybody on the same page. And that's why he's had a lot of success on a consistent basis for a long time. So um, I learned a lot from him. And probably a lot of any success that we've had has been influenced dramatically by the time that I spent and the things that I learned from Bill Belichick. That's great to hear, you know, because a lot of the chatter right now is, you know, this, it's not a tree, it's a bush. I mean, we actually made a graphic that said it's a bush because <laughs> everybody's under 500 pretty much whenever they go on a coach in the NFL. You having the success that you've had is a massive ordeal because – the whole chatter, and you said one of the greatest coaches of all time. We assume you are greatest of all coach of all, uh, coach of all time. You don't want to offend anybody, but like you two being able to talk at a level is probably something pretty special for you guys. Whenever, because there's a lot of you guys are what on those two chairs, yeah, HBO, with HBO, HBO yeah. with that thing having that conversation. I couldn't even imagine what you two talk about. Is it all ball? Is it life? Handling being a coach every single day, being so jacked up to motivate and make other people better every single day at a level that nobody like. What do you guys do? You guys talk a lot, and uh, how do those conversations go? You know, I think some of it is technical when we talk. You know, technical being about certain things that you do in football, how you play a coverage, what you do. Uh, but a lot of it is philosophical uh, in terms of um, maybe why people are doing what they're doing now or something that we're seeing that we didn't see before and uh, how we manage in that situation. Just like I, I use sort of a crazy example, but like a lot of people are going for it on fourth down now. Uh, and they talk about analytics, you know, saying that you got this percentage chance to make it on this down and distance on fourth down, so it's worth going for it. Um, but what the analytics really don't tell you is what happens when you don't make it. Well, uh, so um, those consequences are pretty significant, you know. Sometimes too, especially when you don't take field position into to you know account. But that would be something that we could have a conversation about in terms of just. How much do you go for it on fourth down? When do you go for it on fourth down? All that kind of stuff. So that that's more of a philosophical thing to me, not a technical thing. Okay. Well, I appreciate hearing that. And I love dropping myself into a phone call between you two oh. <laughs> because we have been saying something similar. Even if it's 80%, that's a good percentage. 80% is a good percentage. Oh, yeah. Great. Like in blackjack, I'm going for it all the time. Sure. I'm taking that shot. I'm doing that whole thing. But there's still a 20 per- 20% is a lot. <laughs> Depending upon what the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the mm, what's that Mel, Merrill Hodge denominator. The denominator. Yeah. depending on what the denominator is I mean that 20% could be thousands of times uh, this guy got fired this guy got fired they lost their season they're not able to do that that's a big number too I need to hear 100 or nothing or 99.1% to make my decision just strictly on that coach is that not an accurate do you feel the same way similar well I, I feel like the 20% to use your analogy that you don't make it that's that's the same as a turnover because you're actually giving the ball away just like you fumbled it. So what what is the significance of a turnover in a game? You know, if you do a statistical analysis of a turnover in a game, it's probably about three and a half points. That's the value of a turnover. So that 20% failure rate is probably equal to three and a half points. And depending on when you, where you do it on the field, especially if you do it in your own territory, 
it probably is significantly higher than that. So then what's the stats for that? Yeah. You know, and then there's probably stats that are combating that particular stat. And it feels like stats are on everybody's team all the time. It's a wild time to be alive. But I certainly appreciate the fact that we get to chat with you every single week. And I think, I don't want to judge, you're still under the squat rack? You blew out the eye vet? You were, and then the eye? <laughs> you know what? I don't know what happened to the eye. It doesn't hurt. Um, I, 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 I'm totally baffled you know by what happened to the eye but one other thing on the going for it on fourth down it depends on your cats too you know uh-huh. yeah, yeah they don't t- they don't judge that there yeah yeah the analytics don't say what cat's doing it <laughs> <laughs> like I, I learned that lesson my first coaching lesson was and i won't bore you with this but you know we played masontown valley when i was in high school i was a sophomore quarterback i i, I called the plays and we're playing. You got to walk through the graveyard to get to the stadium. I mean, it's not a very nice place. And we get behind eighteen nothing. Coach Keener was eight time like all coach of the year in the state of West Virginia and all that. So we come back eighteen twelve. We get the ball in two minutes. We got fourth down and twelve on our own twenty five yard line, and we use our last timeout. And I'm saying thank God because everybody, the last guy turned the lights out, you know, in the town where we grew up because everybody went to the game. So I got guys standing behind the bench, you know, saying, you got to cover, you got to score again. I got to cover because they're all betting on the game. I'm like 15 years old trying to handle all this and manage all this. So um, I walk over to the sidelines and Coach Keener says to me, he used to call me young Nicky. He said, what, 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 do you, what do you think we should do here? And I said, well, I think you should call this play. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> I didn't want to call the play. And he said, look, man, you got the best left halfback, you know, fastest guy in the state playing left halfback. You got a three-time All-State guy playing split in. I don't care what play you call, but one of the two of them need to get the ball. Smart, isn't it? Smart. Is that smart. So I called 26 crossfire pass on fourth down and 12, play action pass, fake it to the left halfback, and throw an post corner to the other guy, and we scored. Oh, so scored, we not wow. just a first down. We got a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, Coach. Yeah. Hey, good call. That's a good play call. I like the way you read your personnel and say, hey, listen, big moments make big stars. Big names are big names for a reason. Let's do that. 15 with bookies in West Virginia standing <laughs> over your shoulder. Young Nikki, you've become legend Nikki, goat Nikki at this point, and we appreciate your time every week. All right, man. I appreciate it. I have a lot of fun with you guys. Thanks. Have a good day, man. Hell See yeah. you later. Hey, big one Saturday. Game day's in time. Let's go. Rolling. Yeah, we're ready. All, All right. right. See you. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Nick Saban. Yeah. He's out. He's out. Yeah, we yeah. Way too long. Yeah, a little, a little awesome. Up and out. Way too That's long. a great story, though. Yeah, great incredible. story. Yeah. 18, I think you should call the play. What a time. Yeah, you're the coach. You're getting all these awards. I love that. Bookies. Sorry, go ahead, Chuck. Part of that analytics thing, like he has them, but he doesn't, like in the National Football League, there's a whole bunch of people in the buildings now because everybody's using them. So there's a whole bunch of smart people, a whole bunch of, what was our guy at? Burps. No, well, we had Burbs, but like John, the guy, uh, oh, John uh, Park. John Park, rapper from New York City, also numbers guy. Oh, really? Big, Korean big gentleman, awesome. Really, really good. Did a really, show. Really, really smart. Analytics guy, rapped for us. Has a he's a full rapper. Dog. This guy is awesome. I've but never they seen. They share the they share the numbers with everybody. So Carly, Jim, there's 
multitude of people that have all these numbers, right? So I think coaches feel compelled mm. in these situations. Like Nick, he's got the numbers and everything, but he's making the decision, and he's got nobody second-guessing him on why he did and why he didn't. He's He'll second-guess himself, but he's, but he's not – he doesn't have everybody – oh, well, supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, and this, that. It, and do you see the graphics now even on the games? So instead of the team name at the bottom, if one team's playing another, they'll just run a graphic that says ESPN analytics say fourth and six or less, oh. go. Yep. Or well, whatever. Every time Joe it's Buck, on Joe, there. Joe, Why? Yeah, and Joe Bucks chimes in and says analytics says right here because you're over the 50-yard lane, anything up to fourth and six, you go. Tonight, Amazon uses it too. And oh, so if it, doesn't, it. if it doesn't work, then they're throwing that at you. After the fact, what this is what it says. Everybody Why? on earth knows that one particular AI says this is 67 percenter. <laughs> yeah. AJ, think, think about Some think, of it's good, but think about that, AJ, though. That is a real thing to even think about there because he just he just mentioned uh, Carly, Jim, Pete. OK, so that's uh, president of the Colts, uh, owner of the Colts, next owner of the Colts. Okay, so that's three generations. And she's down there. She's on the sideline mm -hmm. with these numbers in there. You could see how some coaches will just want to take the feel out of it because then they can cover their own ass. Mm -hmm. They can they could just say, hey, it said 61% of the time. Solid. Felt like in the game we were there. It almost takes the complete feel out of the game, which I think Saban and Bill and Andy Reid and Nick Sirianni has. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like there is a real feel thing to a lot of this that nobody really checked. Doug Peterson that people don't really talk about, A.J., yeah, I, I would like to talk to some some of these analytics people just to see, like, not like in, in any kind of like, I have no hatred towards analytics or anything, but I just want to know how do they take into account the players you have against the put team you're playing? Like, how do we match up? How does our O-line match up against their D-line? Does all of that take a, like, Weather. I don't know. They act like everything is taken into account. Vibe, I don't know. Momentum. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of that that has are to be. Are my players running off the field saying, Coach, is my O-line saying, we're going to kill these dudes? Absolutely go for it. We got. I promise you we'll get there. Do you think that's because like we've seen humans in the middle of games and how they actually are as opposed to what yes. it maybe looks like on a video game? Yes. Like where some guys aren't having a good day and they know they're not having a good day. Mm -hmm. You know, like there there's, there's are those things that happen. You could float it out there too. Chuck probably knows. What if he's like, Say it's fourth and two, and you like, and you call a timeout. So, boys, what do we think about this one? And everyone's like, uh, it's like, all right, right. we'll punt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Punt, punt team. Punt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember, oh, that's a, that, that, no, that's a great point. And then he mentioned field position. You mentioned it a week ago, right? The stats. We know what the turnover stats are, right? If you're plus two, at the end of the day, 83% of the time you win over the last 10, 15 years in National Football League documented. Field position is like you score less than 8% of the time if you got 90-plus yards to go. That's a pretty good little advantage. Yeah, yeah, crazy. You know, so all those things got to be in your head. And you it's score like probably 50, 60% of the time if you're up by the 40 or the 50 because you're already in field goal position. Joining us now is a man who has to make these decisions live in real time yeah. in the current NFL with all the information that we just chatted about. He also has a new head, uh, quarterback, not only in town, but certainly starting for him on Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, KOC Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, So cool. What's up, guys? Hey, is it freezing ass cold in Minnesota already or what? It's getting there, Pat. It's getting there. Um, it kind of came on uh, this week, really, for the first time. Walked out and had a couple inches of snow on the ground. 
Um, wasn't quite ready for it, hence the uh, sitting inside with a vest on. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, it'll really smack you in the mouth out there. Yeah. It is bitterly <laughs> cold, but that's what we love about it. Mm-hmm. And also that city is built so you don't have to go outside. They understand it's cold as hell. Let's talk about your team. Early in the season, Coach, I don't know if you felt this way, but outside looking in, it felt like although the football gods blessed you last year, 11-0, and I think, in three-point or less games last season, obviously every game came down to the final minute with you guys, and you won a bunch of great ones. Then the beginning of the season this year, went the complete opposite direction and now your team gets back to playing great ball and then you lose a quarterback if you could describe this season in one particular way would it be that the football gods have been incredibly rude to you (laughs) and have you thought about that at all coach you know pat the way i looked at the early part of the season was you know it's great to look back on last year and all those one score games kirk's fourth quarter comebacks all those things um, but I looked at it as, you know, my job was to to continue chasing, doing the things that uh, win football games, not consistently doing things to lose them, which I felt like we did um, early on in the football season. And uh, what that provided was an opportunity for our team uh, to really look in the mirror. We had some, you know, real straightforward dialogue of we've got to do some th- certain things better. We've got to possess the football better. Um, it's got to mean something to us. It's got to be something we work and practice more and more and more. We had already done it before, but it it really turned into uh, we had to decide if we were going to respond in tough moments. And uh, I think the response to that adversity and, and really how the last winning that four out of the last five, how we've done it without Justin for a chunk of that time, uh, Kirk playing some of his best football of his career. Um, we get a new lesson now. Now we have to deal with uh, hey, we handled some success well. We overcame some adversity, uh, but now we've got to continue to move onward without uh, a quarterback who is maybe playing as well as anybody in the National Football League. Good, AJ. Coach, how do you how do you I guess stay positive and keep your track your team kind of on a steady track of not not getting on that roller coaster? I mentioned it a lot. Like the NFL season can be a roller coaster, ups and downs, no matter what team you're on. How do you how do you kind of keep the faith early on and let your team know like, hey, we're going to come out of this thing, we're going to be fine. Yeah, I think the important thing is, you know, confidence and and that positivity that you talked about. It's got to be real. But I think the number one thing that, uh, you know, I, I know I, I looked for as a player. I'm sure you guys did as well. I'm sure Coach Pagano felt the same way. The number one thing for a coach is to be authentic and have relationships with the players to be able to tell them what they not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And then ultimately a plan moving forward of how we're going to uh, progress and grow and improve. And, and normally it comes circling back to hard work, uh, you know, accountability, detail and what you're doing. Um, and it's not me just talking about it. It's our players kind of having the ownership of it, knowing that we're there supporting them every step of the way. Uh, we're coaching them hard. Uh, but ultimately, when they start seeing the results, hopefully you can look back on the process you had, uh, which allowed you to get to that moment. And when the results aren't the way you wanted, like they were early on in the year, uh, it gave us all a uh, a real good lesson to just be able to look inward, figure out what we need to do better individually, collectively. Um, and and like you guys talked about, the football started to turn around a little bit. I think our team is confident. Um, I think they've learned that maybe some teams throughout the season go through, you know, some rough stretches. And we always talk about, hey, that, that team right there is playing their best football in the month of December or January, where normally they've gone through some adversity to get there. Yeah. Um, I talked to our team about, hey, our adversity hit uh, you know, the first three weeks of the season. And I've referenced the three games, really the month of November when I was with the Rams. We didn't win a game for like 33 days or whatever it was. 
and we hoisted a Lombardi. So I've referenced that. I try not to talk about it too much because this team is its own and and, and we're going to be our own story. We're writing our own story. Um, but it, all the teams that play well towards the end of the season have had adversity hit at one point. Um, it just came right out the blocks for us, which I think it's hard in this team. I think these guys now, you know, they're confident because they've earned the right to be confident. Yeah, and you reference a lot of every team has to go through some adversity. There's only one undefeated team, right, in the history of 1972 Dolphins. And then Coughlin, I think, was almost fired or being talked about getting fired with that Giants team like week 12 or week 11, and then they get hot. Everything's still in front of you, but this next chapter is obviously going to look different. You talk about Kirk Cousins playing at an all-pro level, and then obviously we lose him to a devastating one. We're all going to miss you, Kirk. We're all going to miss you, Kirk. Hell yeah, Kirk. We're all going to miss you, Kirk. But now you got to look to this next chapter. Jaron Hall, a quarterback this weekend, is what's being reported. You'd make the trade for Josh Dobbs. How many quarterbacks were you guys potentially looking at? Don't have to tell us. Uh, But at what point did you know Josh Dobbs was the perfect guy to come in to your offense and potentially be able to lead the team to where you guys still have desires to go? Yeah, you know, Pat, we we looked at a lot of different scenarios, you know, different... Um, you know, different guys, guys that have played, guys that maybe didn't have a ton of experience. Uh, and we really, uh, you know, inevitably came to the conclusion that Josh uh, being available um, at kind of a, the right time for us, a guy that had started um, and played a lot of football this year when you really turned on the tape, you know, the things he was doing to move the team in Arizona against, you know, the San Francisco's of the world and uh, Baltimore's and just different teams that, um, you 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 watched him go out and play quarterback. You saw the athleticism. I know he's very smart and intelligent. Um, and we ask our quarterbacks to do a lot here. So we wanted to make sure we were adding somebody to the room depth-wise, uh, whether he ends up playing or Jaron, you know, continues to play or potentially Nick Mullins coming back off IR. We wanted to have options because we feel like uh, really the, you know, the table has been set by Kirk. The, for, the formula for our offense is there. Um, even without Justin Jefferson, who should, you know, hopefully return soon. Uh, we feel like we've got a great group up front uh, playing along the O-line for our quarterback and our offense. And then we've got skill players, uh, you know, where at every position we feel like um, those guys just doing their job, doing a little bit more for the quarterback across the board. Um, you know, I, you never want to say just plug and play. It's the hardest position in sports, so don't get me wrong. Um, but I want to have – Uh, whoever's playing quarterback for us go out there and just feel like, hey, all I got to do is do my job. Um, And if I do that and and put the ball in play, rely on the guys around me, uh, this team's going to have a chance to play really good football because we're playing good on defense. I love what Brian Flores and his group are doing. Um, And like I said, the, the, the talent and the skill players we have makes it fun to go to work every week and draw up some plays. I can tell you that. Punter, right? You're punter and then punter, then quarterback. And, yep. Yeah, for the hardest position yeah, in all kicker. sports. Right there. Yeah. Right there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you just talked about B-Flow. Chuck has a question for you. Yeah, speaking of B-Flow, Coach, um, I know this was a great hire and a, a big get for you uh, in the offseason transition and out from the old uh, defense coordinator, but – you guys uh, love to pressure. B-Flow loves to pressure. Being an offensive coach, I know as a, as a defensive-minded head coach, I know where I gravitated to every single day. I'd go into the offensive meeting room, uh, you know, and, and listen to the staff, you know, talk and things like that. How much involvement do you have uh, with – because he's got those, those cats flying around. Mm. And it seems like from a communication standpoint, understanding standpoint, like – we're blitzing at like 52%, number one in the National Football League, huh. and, it's, and it's working. Um, how much involvement do you have 
uh, with B flow? And do you ever have to like step in and say, hey, you know, <laughs> maybe hey, let's let's maybe defend one time here. Maybe <laughs> we play a little Tampa two and drop the nose <laughs> nose tackle or, or what whatnot. But I, I love watching this group play. Yeah, I think uh, it's a great point because uh, I think my involvement is more um, just, you know, that 30,000 foot view of the game plan, what we think it's going to take to win the game. And uh, my background, Flo's background, you know, our football philosophies uh, really, you know, I noticed really quickly when I sat down to speak with him, um, you know, in the interview process, just how similar we look at the game as far as trying to equip our players with tools to, you know, not only have an advantage, but try to apply pressure with those tools, you know, mentally and physical pressure. And that sometimes is sending seven or eight guys forward. Sometimes that's the illusion of, you know, sending those guys forward and you are dropping eight in coverage out of the same look. Sometimes it's, you know, presenting different looks that all look and feel the same that require the utmost urgency to try to fix problems. Uh, but then defensively, you're able to change up what you're doing out of those looks and just try to be one step ahead, um, continue to apply things that offensive coaches are having to, you know, do really two things. They stay up late trying to figure out how they're going to handle cer certain looks that we provide. Um, but the other thing is I think it shrinks the call sheet and you see less plays, you see less variations. Um, you know, you really have to try to avoid a catastrophe. And I, I'm just speaking from experience off of one training camp going against them every day. I was ready for training camp to get over. Yeah, they always say the players want to hit another helmet. You were you were excited to. Yeah. Yeah, I was about ready to have Flo take a couple of days off there towards the middle of <laughs> August just to uh, allow us to teach our offense a little bit. But uh, it was great work for us. It, it allowed us to grow as an offense. But more importantly, we were having conversations in August that you're normally having in November and December playing against, you know, schemes that really tax you on a short week. Hey, get ready for this pressure, that look. We got to have an answer versus this. Uh, we were doing that in real time during training camp. So it was growth for everybody. Uh, love what Flo's done. Love the way the group has really embraced, you know, not only the philosophy, but uh, they make it come to life every week. You know, we can only do so much as coaches. It's on the, you know, our players and our leadership to make it come to life and really offensively, defensively, special teams. You know, that's been the most, uh, you know, gratifying thing for me this year is just even in times of adversity, um, I've seen our guys, you know, completely go all in, make it their own, and then make it come to life when we need it the most. Here's some B-Flow stats from October. Number one in the NFL in forced fumbles, third in yards allowed per game and per play, had two defensive touchdowns in one month. That baby, B-Flow. Hey. And to you, KOC, obviously it's your team. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about philosophies and everything kind of looking the same, it does feel like guys are open in your offense. Connor has a question for you. Yeah, Coach, obviously there are zero situations where it's nice to have Justin Jefferson on the sideline, but over these last few weeks, Jordan Addison has become one of, if not the focal point of the offense. As this has happened, have you kind of gone back into the lab? Like, oh, there are some plays that I thought might not have worked before where now I know one of these two guys is going to be open no matter what, just from the looks Jordan's been getting over the past couple games? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've seen uh, defensively a shift when you take the best receiver in football off your, off your team, and really that – dictates so much we see coverage-wise, so much we see defensively, uh, game in and game out. Um, we've kind of seen some different things that allowed us to uh, maybe feature Jordan or TJ, KJ, um, allow Kirk to really kind of just, uh, you know, get us into the best play possible, you know, provide him with, uh, you know, multiple answers regarding, you know, 
different man, zone, pressure, no pressure, all those things. And and what I think was the best was just our players' ownership of that. Uh, you know, you can have uh, everything drawn up in the world from a, uh, you know, game plan standpoint and come up with every, uh, you know, nuance and, and, and concept variation that you want. But if your players can't go out there and flawlessly go execute that and play fast, you're really wasting your time. So I credit our guys. I credit for them for, you know, and Kirk really bringing along this group, having confidence in guys to really come to life before our very eyes. And it's it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to coach just because you do have that balance of creativity that you're trying to do everything you can to help your guys go have success. But then also knowing that, uh, you know, there's some times we can just put number three, you know, put him in the spot Justin was in when we ran this and let's see what happens. And, and there's been a couple of those times where I think Justin's been as excited as anybody to see Jordan do some of the things that he's been able to do. We as NFL fans are very excited for Justin Jefferson to get back into yeah. the game, but it has been fun to watch Jordan Addison grow into a superstar over the last few weeks. Obviously, an incredible October run. Ty has a question for you that is uh, a little deep Think is a oh. deep thinker. Deep cut, yeah. A little bit of deep cut. Whoa, 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 you're muted. I'm muted. Sorry, I got some leakage in my ear. Oh, guy's got a hole in his eardrum, coach. <laughs> battling yeah, through, battling mm-hmm. through it right now. But adversity. Yep, absolutely. And you talked about that adversity early in the season. Obviously, when you're going through all of that, and I'm sure you're not paying any mind to it. But there's all that outside chatter of all the the Vikings are going to start selling off pieces. It started with all the you know the talk with Cousins potentially getting moved to the Jets or, or wherever else. And with in this day and age, obviously, I mean, again, you're not talking about that but I assume that some of that stuff kind of leaks into the locker room when you hear they were going to be selling off parts but what kind of message does it send to the team when at the trade deadline you guys were buyers and you kind of do solidify your roster and it lets everyone on the team know like hey we're in a good position here and we can still go do everything that you know we initially wanted to before the season started yeah I think the easy answer would be for me to sit here and say uh, hey, we don't listen to any of it, ignore the noise, all those things. I would be naive in 2023 to think uh, that, you know, for in whatever platform, uh, those types of rumors and, and those types, that, that type of information, it's out there. Uh, so I think it'd be incredibly naive of me not to at least reaffirm to our players the belief in what we're doing. Um, that's individually, that's one-off conversations with our leadership, with young players, uh, and then when I stand in front of the team, they they know that I'm always going to be honest with them. They know that I mean what I say. Um, and I have the luxury of an organization that, uh, you know, w- we're very collaborative with how we do things. There's no surprises. Um, and, and, and quite honestly, we believe we can win football games here. So uh, being able to say those things to our guys and kind of quiet that noise. I think is the better term um, besides just try to ignore it, ignore it and hope they, Hey, I hope our guys don't hear this because it is a distraction. It is something that if you allow it to be um, that's on me as the coach, that's on us as a coaching staff. Uh, We try to over communicate. We try to make sure our guys understand how much we care about them, how much we believe in them. Um, And then, you know, then we go to work and we teach them and, and develop technique fundamentals, all the things that makes this profession great. Um, I believe that that's what should come out of us in moments of adversity. And it's no different this week. It's no different moving forward without our quarterback, without Justin for uh, however much longer he's going to be out. We've been at without Marcus Davenport. Um, you know, it's more than just next man up. It's it's a collective group effort. Uh, when adversity hits, I believe everybody should strive to be at their best when it's required. Hell yeah. Hey, coach. That's what I just heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Awesome. How old are you? How old are you? I should know this. Better interviewer. 
I'm uh, I'm 38 years old. Oh, Whoa. shit. This guy's old as hell. <laughs> old as dirt, this guy. I think what you just gave uh, was a pretty transparent, modern answer. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody hears everything. Those old school adages, don't read the press clips. It's impossible. It's Because even if you go into public now, everybody knows everything about everything. So it's going to get mentioned to you at some point in your life. So nipping that in the bud and also having a whole organization aligned. We just talked to Coach Saban about that. Alignment yep. is the biggest deal. Mm -hmm. That's what it showcases, I think. Last question for you here. We appreciate your time on this glorious uh, Thursday from a man wearing a fresh Army hoodie. Type Thank you. Days. Yeah, Coach. Um, obviously, Kirk is an athlete, okay? But it felt like in the second year. Whoa. What? What was that? I haven't even got there yet. <laughs> but it felt like in the second year under your offense, there was a lot of he was hitting that last step and the ball was coming out. It was going to the right place. All all, all the things that you like to do. Now, watching Dobbs, watching Jaron Hall at BYU, it feels like they have a slightly more potential to go off script when things go, don't go right. Does that change your play calling at all? Or how does your play calling potentially change now that uh, you have those two potentially as your quarterback? Yeah, I think, you know, with Kirk, there was really two years of uh, so much one-on-one -on -one time, so much, you know, dialogue between him and I, kind of crafting uh, organically what we're trying to build here, what we have built here. Um, I think with whether it's Jaron this week, uh, you know, or moving forward or, or Josh or Nick Mullins, um, I think the big thing for us is trying to design and craft an offense uh, where that guy just feels like, uh, walk in the huddle, call a play. I know my job. And if I do it with great technique, fundamentals, timing, accuracy, uh, things that we believe these guys can do, um, good things will happen. Now, I do believe that uh, all three of those guys and and, and really Jaron, I do believe um, that the athleticism comes into play on this in this position uh, that allows you to create some things off schedule, do some things that, you know, we failed you as a coach. You know, I gave you a bad play. I gave you a bad you know, it, it was the wrong play at the wrong time. Uh, and we somehow stay on the field because you're able to overcome that. Uh, that's conflict resolution. And I think these guys have the ability to do that. Uh, never, ever do you want to try to rely on that to move the football. But when it happens, uh, let's go down and finish this drive and score some points. And, and, and we'll all look back on that one play or that one set of downs where you stole us a first down with your athleticism or an explosive pass off schedule and you say that was a game changing play. There's no reason in the world why they can't make those plays and combine that with what I hope is confidence in our offensive scheme to play uh, in rhythm. Um, hopefully we can still be a, a very difficult offense to defend. Yeah. I'd assume you're going to be mm -hmm. okay. Mm. Yeah. I like the humility. I do appreciate it. Also your mic'd ups are awesome because everything you just said, you're the same guy on Sundays on the mic'd up segments. I don't know if you watch those back. Do you watch those back? I only watch it back when I know I did. I, I said a lot of things I shouldn't have from a language standpoint, just to make sure we cut those out. But uh, no, I listen. I, I wouldn't need to watch him because you know I talked about authenticity. That's that's great. I do believe being the same guy every day, regardless of circumstance. It's the best leadership I've ever been around. Has been like that. Um, I, I don't want to call it. Uh, comforting, but I, I, I believe that's what I would want if I was on a football team fighting, scratching, clawing to try to do everything coach was asking me to do. The least I can do for my guys is be the same guy every day. And uh, that's never going to change uh, despite, uh, you know, any adversity that may hit 
I'm going to just keep on trying to be the best version of myself for this organization. Got really good players, great leadership, and, and a lot of trust in that uh, that allows me to do that, Pat. Great stadium, great uniforms, and a great run that could be told here in the future. We appreciate the hell out of you. Definitely relate to a meeting. That's on us. Same person every day, except for when you talk to the doofuses. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Kevin O'Connell. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. yeah, we kept it too long, obviously. You heard the other <laughs> meeting. Yeah, whoops. Who's this asshole? Wait a minute. Sorry. Where is this? What is this guy's problem? Just running a just running a franchise worth billions and billions of dollars. And then we're so riddle me this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a joke of an existence we get to live. We appreciate you all for allowing it to happen. We're out of here. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be in Bama. AJ will be here. You all are the best. Goodbye. Nailed it. Bingo. Let's go. At a baby. Hop back. Yeah, I think I hit it. I think it was zero zeros. Yeah. Okay. Hanging curveball. Mm. It was. I think it was zero zero. Every once in a while, I'll get a little tough, though. You know, like Kevin O'Connell, was, <laughs> he was like starting that. that speech there with a minute left or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, the, the speech that he was starting, I think, Nick. So every once in a while, I think you breathe right into that thing. Really? That microphone. Yeah. Like, wash? Yes. <laughs> I think today's the first day you've ever done it. I think today is the first day you've ever done it. But I think there was a little bit of a, a microphone control happening to you. I want to let you know, you didn't deserve it. And we appreciate the hell out of you. But whenever you hear those two coaches talk the way they do, mm -hmm. it's like, is that just how you guys are born? Like, every word that is said, like, you'll hear some guys talking. It's like, this guy's supposed to be a coach. Like, every answer is like, coach speak and it's coach speak because that's how these motherfuckers talk is that like just natural you think that's like a from birth type thing smart smart guy obviously and it's being mentored we all were mentored by different people right so he was obviously around some really really smart people some really good leaders and you know you can be around those people and not pay any attention and then leave a great organization and then go try to be somebody else or do it some other way or do it his way but he he hasn't done that he you guys kept talking about new england right and those guys leaving belichick yeah. yes here we go and i think part of the deal is those guys try to go and be him instead of just being you being himself this guy is unapologetic and they don't have tom brady himself huh AJ. absolutely AJ. I, <laughs> I agree that's a big help chuck i, I agree 100 percent about that but he just seems like you know he's a bright guy and mm -hmm. he and he trusts and he's authentic and he's real and he's not going to ride that roller coaster and that whole deal's that whole deal's big about being the same dude every single day absolutely because you got jekyll yes. and hyde as a player yeah and we're we don't ever you, you got to speak to us so we're reading you the whole time go ahead aj though i think you're making a very good point there about tom oh chuck i just wanted to ask you so when koc is there talking he's saying all the right things and he's very authentic do you think I put myself as a player, whenever I spoke to the media, I'm thinking I don't want to say anything to piss my coaches off, which I don't think players really have that fear as much as maybe they used to, but that was just how I was always. Do you think coaches like KOC are thinking, hey, the owner's going to see this. I need to make sure I'm representing the team in the, in the best light? That's solid. You mean as far as the players or the, or the head coach? The coach. I mean yeah. the head coach. Like could KOC, when head coaches are speaking to the media, they're thinking, hey, I don't want to say anything to upset my owner, the GM, all the other people that are above me. He's talking chain of command here. Players are scared to death that they're going to uh, piss off the coaches. Right. So Kevin's saying something to where his owner's going to hear it. Yes. And Th call him in. Is that part. something that happens, you think, with coaches sometimes, especially maybe a younger coach, his first time head coach? Yeah. I think ownership wants to encourage you as well to be yourself and, and speak your mind, but certainly you're not going to do anything to embarrass those guys. 
I never wanted sitting up at that uh, podium, and I said some some dumbass shit. You know, <laughs> believe me, I made some bad calls and some bad decisions, and there's some stuff out Everybody there has. that we're gonna. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, that's part of it. But yeah, AJ, you certainly don't want to go up there and do anything to embarrass. You know the organization. Jim Mercy ever say, "Hey, why why'd we say it this way? Why'd we phrase it this way?" Hey, gonna- brother. <laughs> I don't know if we really should talk about stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sunglasses on. He's awesome right what? now. He's living his best life right now. Have you seen him? He's riding like, ATVs off of helicopters. Hello, well, bro, he landed the helicopter. Yeah. Right into the water. Beast. Did anybody see him go in or was that all? Well, there, yeah, there was an awkward cut in the video. What are you talking about? Come on, Tony. Yeah, you, he drives away, and then there's this suspicious cut. I think maybe there was a miscommunication on whether or not there was supposed to be another scene. Like another yeah. camera, oh, okay. like another one set somewhere down the road. And if somebody was maybe blindsided that it was going Did all the way into the hair, water, hair color was his hair red? Well, I think he it's went into like, Lake one time to test it. Got the lake water. It's definitely, right. yeah, yeah. It's definitely a color. It was awesome. Yeah, it's it was, lake water. What do you expect? The guy's ah, driving an ATV yeah. in there. He's got an aquatic yeah. vehicle. It's a brown orange. He looks sweet. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Love that man. He's uh, Peyton's places. We did one on uh, punting, coffin corners, and how. Oh, yeah. He crushed. Jim Irsay's in there, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm certainly in this Peyton's Places, and it was an honor. The star of the program is not the man's name who is on the name of the title of it either. Jim Irsay's acting in this thing. Yes. And you just need to go watch it. And I got a chance to watch it behind the scenes of Jim Irsay acting in something, and I've never been more pumped. Had ideas for his lines whenever he sat down. Love it, yes. <laughs> Love it. Is this the one we got some pictures of? of That's awesome. Out West? Uh, which, him, and, him and Tex? No, that was a, no, no. That was a real producing. This is a real This is Peyton's place. Yeah. He was handed script. I think he got the script either maybe the night before. Before he got there, he had the script. Because as soon as he sat down, guy who had script came up to him and said, here's a written copy of it or whatever, a handheld. And he said, immediately, I have some ideas. <laughs> and I was so pumped. I was like, yes, I have ideas as well. Let's do this thing. And he nailed it. Oh, yeah. I was in a scene with him. It was at the very end. No, no spoilers. Mm-hmm. But I will say that was not what the script, that was not <laughs> that at was all Jim. what the script was. Yeah, and we talked, I don't know, maybe four minutes before we shot that thing. And script person, Jim B, we're all there. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is how it's going. All right, sweet. We go out there. Jim walks out. This guy's a maverick, dude. <laughs> you can't. I'm not your puppet. That's right. Uh-uh. Jim Ursay says, so then I, not thespian. Okay, so now I have to. Of yeah. course. I'm going to add lib as well. Yeah. <laughs> It was an honor, Jim. Hey, it was an honor to be out there with you. Love him. you, Jim. Love you, Jim. We got to, it, was, it was me, my wife, Jim Irsay, Jim Irsay's, uh friend. Uh, and then Pete, it, was, uh, it wasn't it was Gorman. It was, uh, it was another guy. I think like a body, you know, like a body, body guru. guru. Oh, body guru. guru was he wearing a gi? No, but he was in a oh. suit. But I think Jim was re, uh, I think he had a surgery on a, something happened. Something happened. He was, he looks really good now. So yeah. whoever this person is, I would potentially like to know later because of how, Upright. how good he looks. Yeah, he's, he's moving and grooving right now. And on that quad, on that ATV. Oh, yeah. He's standing straight up. He's fresh as a daisy. Did you ever grab him? Still locked up? Like, if he, he used to be a bodybuilder. No, yeah, he was. Son of a bitch is like, yeah. Yeah, he used to be. He, Ohio he and Vince could live together. What's that? 
I feel like he and Vince could work out together still. Yes. Yeah. So, and, no and Arnold. Yeah, and that would be incredible. Vince oh, McMahon yes. and Jim Irsay just encountering each other mm. needs to happen. Bro. But anyway, so it was, and then Peyton was there, and then one of the people from NFL, we're just sitting in the locker room. They're setting everything up still. We got like 30, 45 minutes. He started chit-chatting, telling stories about things that have been said and the things that he's heard and things he wants to do. And then the questions that Peyton's asking him are awesome. You know, and then mm. I'm just sitting there like fly on the wall, and then we go out and shoot a full thing with, I don't know, 40 cameras. It was like a motion picture. Nice. It was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. And uh, I've, I saw the pre-cut. I haven't seen it since it's been released. I assume it's the same thing. But thank you to Peyton and Omaha for letting me be a part of that. Hell yeah, Omaha. Is there any more hmm? deals coming up where he's going to try to <laughs> save something or – yeah, he's like saving when you guys were oh, talking. Talk to yeah, he's on talk to the to elf, he's on to the baby elephants now. Yeah. Seriously. Is he trying to save the world? Yes. Jim Mercy yeah. is on a constant. No, I love that. I'm road. just asking what did you guys baby were talking? Elephant? You said he's telling some stories. Is there another animal or anything involved in First of all, that is what Jim Mercy looked like at a later stage mm. in his life at one point. Dog. Okay. Whenever he was younger, he like uh he had hourglass type he was he was going to competitions, local competitions in Indiana, showing up at high schools, doing deadlift competitions, just absolutely strapped and jocked out of his mind. But yeah, I do believe there is a baby elephant that he's looking to maybe make the most. Uh, Good move, for. trying to save. Where is it? Where is it? Is it it's trapped? A zoo, I think. I, think I thought is. it was the Indy Zoo, but I'm get not that sure. orangutan out of there in Indianapolis. You guys say to, it's there's a miserable. bunch of them. He's okay, that'd be a tall task. Yeah, did you know? Just like won. 700 pounds. He said he deadlifted. Squatted over six, five Last or six. Week. Bench press. <laughs> and he said he got up to like 296, 298 pounds. And then cut everything down. And at 245, wanted to run a marathon, ran a marathon. Yeah, see. Weapon. Jim's a dog. Wow. You know, he's lit. Can you imagine? He won the Ohio championship with with bodybuilding. Like, that was one of the photos on the bottom of it that we pulled up one time. And it said, like, Ohio champion first place. And it's in a gym, high school gym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just out. He's the owner of the Colts at the time. Yep. Just lift. There he is. Yeah. Oh, Ohio I can't State that. championship. That looks like a different human. Like, he is jacked. Yeah. I mean, and obviously you're going to have a bad back whenever you're trying to put I don't know, with 900 pounds on your back <laughs> yeah. every week in a high school gymnasium or whatever. But he's right now, I think, people closest to him would say, moving his best that he has been moving. Love it. But he was telling a story. That, that Peyton's Place was cool to be a part of. Told a good story, too, about the cough corner. Mm-hmm. And punting Sammy Ball, who they yeah. used to call slinging Sammy yep. Ball. He yep. was a punter, too. Mm-hmm. He was a very good punter. Had a very, like, a record... Average, I think, all the way up until like very recently. Jeremy calls him slinging center ball, acting like quarterback position is important. This dude was a punter too. Back in the day, it had to be like something that basically quarterbacks had to do because not only are they taking snap, normally best athlete mm-hmm. on the field as well mm-hmm. at one particular point. So they were all punters. And uh, it was nice to take a trip down memory lane there and learn a lot. I learned a lot about the entire punting industry almost. Uh, you guys went to a couple home games in a row. How the halftime show has been? There's a flag football game. It's exciting, entertaining. That's pretty Yeah, cool. not oh, terrible. Kids had to love that. The kids would love that. There was uh, two high school girl flag football teams competed at halftime. They came out tunnel smoke. Oh, sweet. like a oh. whole entrance. Yeah, it was, was awesome. sweet. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. It was sweet. They've been good. And then there was uh, there was one girl number twenty four on the one team. She was untackleable. Uh, they had four downs to get twenty yards, and then it was the other team's possession. The first three dons for this first team, not going good. Good tacklers. It's like, oh, a little bit of a cagey affair here mm-hmm. early to start this flag football. Then they gave the ball 24 in space. Dogs. About time. It was Bye-bye. an absolute show. Place erupted. Place erupted. And to be honest, 
I did go to the bathroom immediately after that. So yeah. I missed the second team. Sure. I, I heard a big pop, though. Okay. I think it was good. It's competitive. Is Marvel back yet? So, so I think the uh, Times Square Spider people are done. Okay. Oh, okay. thank God. I, I, I think thought they're, they're like the birthday, the birthday ones, the ones that you can hire if you go to your birthday. I, I think... That's Times Square is pretty high class. You can't. It'd be hard to get them off the street and bring them to Indy. You know, Nick Saban said he has philosophical conversations with uh, Bill Belichick. That's what they talk about. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. This is a philosophical conversation that we're currently having sure. about that halftime show. Yeah. And why you guys want to bring that up on this great Thursday? We've had great conversations. I just, I'm always. I don't know what you wanted to bring me down for. Steelers are playing like prime time. You better worry about that. Ooh. And I'll worry about how I feel about seventy some thousand people packing that place out and us putting New York Times Square, Spider Man, and Captain America. Mm -hmm. Running mm -hmm. around on the field like they're Bailey McComas doing the Creed outfit yep. from Cowboys Thanksgiving back in the day. Just Why do you want to bring that up right now? Just, We're having a good Thursday. I, I thought that was a good halftime show. And I like to hear about how awesome the Colts halftime shows are. It's something that I'm passionate about. They've been great. Jim Irsay danced in one two weeks ago. Yep. That was, mm -hmm. I was Let's get to a break, about. please. The, remember the Purdue drum? Yeah. Big. Brought oh, that yeah. thing out. Biggest one in the world. It. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. While he was running <laughs> yeah. next to this thing, they were good. That was awesome. they've, they've actually been good. Genuine entertainment. Yeah, I've been watching them too. I'm like, All right. Mm -hmm. So I was actually breathing into this. Yeah, when, a little bit. When was it? Middle of one conversation. <laughs> yeah, I thought we, we were all trying to figure out who it was, and we found out it was you. It was a collective effort. We didn't love it, we, but there was no way for us to tell you either. It was a middle of combo. Yeah, Zito almost grabbed the ventilator to hook you up to it. Jeez. Jesus. Just What's this help, guy's deal? Help him breathe. No, help I breathe. I'm a. That happens to me too. I apologize. No, no, it happens to me That's too. Bad. Sometimes when I know we know it's us, so we can just stop. Mm -hmm. We have no way to tell you. So it's actually on us. It's not on you. So we apologize. No, I'm sorry. No. Don't be sorry. What I'm saying is it happens all the time. Right. You should hear what AJ does. He puts a vacuum into his yeah, fucking true. microphone. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. You look fantastic today. Do we feel like we're getting a seven two today against the spread? Great hoodie. No doubt about it. There you Ooh! go. Oh, Oh, I've never, I've never felt better about a pick. Wow! Wow! Yes. Your whole Wonder life way and, feel, and feels here and a giveaway maybe. Oh, that's no. Wow! What happened before we started the show? Mm. Oh yeah, Chuck. Bing, bing, bing. bro. Oh yeah, that's why I won't Chuck make one. No, whoa, we got positive. Remember, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey. we're gonna do it. He went boom, football into this hoop. And he said, look at that. Should have saved it. And then he goes to the right. Boom. Right into that hoop. And he goes, oh. And I go, here we go. Yep. We're not missing today. And then, obviously, a couple of people chimed in. Wasted them. Wasted them. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. No. You're going to hit two today. Yep. And we're going to give away what? Come on, Chuck. 50 winners. What? Holy shit. shit. 50. No pressure. You better check with 50. CFO. For what? Excuse me? For what? What's that check? For what? happy. I think owner's above CFO. <laughs> Good run, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, they, they, Good now, run. Great, yeah, my does, bad. It does suck. <laughs> it does suck for Phil to have to send that money out. And I will say, we are certainly in the market of hiring an intern to help out with that stuff. Because that is a miserable, miserable existence. With that being said, Chuck, who the fuck money do you think this is? It's the same one that the field goes on. We, we need to relax. And what I need you to do is knock out 50 of these things. Come on. Because that would be historic. Yep. Yeah. That would be legendary, especially on a day where you're saying you got the best pick you've ever had. Ever. Ever had. Ever. Mojo. This is going to be a Thursday we're going to remember forever with the Wyoming Cowboys hoodie on. Hey, your shot yesterday cost JJ some cheese. Quick 5,000. Yeah. That was um. 
That was swift. Got a text yesterday. He said, you know what? Just take it out of the paycheck, just like the NFL fines work. You, know <laughs> you, pay, great. you pay guys? No, no. They just come on for free and yeah, spend their no, entire yeah, life. Right. Just you, Chuck. Yeah, just you. Yeah. Just you. <laughs> Actually, 50 out of Chuck's. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, boom. There you go. Yeah, that'll be fun. Smart. See if I feel will love that one. Yeah. That'll be a good one, actually. Sound like a deal? No, no, no. No, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'm on a fixed time. income. Yeah, we're retired. We're retired. <laughs> and joining us now is a man who has become our voice of college football rankings, but now the actual voice of college football rankings has put their rankings out on Tuesday. How does the general feel about them? How do they feel about the general? Let's find out now, ladies and gentlemen, the general, Bobby Carpenter. Yeah, What's going on, general? How you doing, Bob? I'm doing good, man. Out here, West Coast, Palm Springs. I think Coachella goes on like right behind me. Got some mountains, a little hot tub, do some soaking like A.J. Hawk back here. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's get the full... Oh, wow. wow. Look at that vascularity in the left bicep, too. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, in the forearm. Did you Jeez. see that? Oh, yeah. So you think just oh, the bicep. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Check excuse out. me. Check the forearm out. Don't you worry about that, coach. <laughs> uh, hey, congrats on looking like an absolute monster and enjoying your best life. What's going on out there? Are you pitching and performing, Coachella? Stagecoach? Uh, yeah, no one wants to hear me sing or do any of that stuff, man. I mean, the best thing I can do is pick some football and lift some weights. That's all we got to do. Oh, Maybe yeah. do some shrugs for my man Hawk, get that neck and traps going. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to what people want to <laughs> hear, and that's your college football rankings. When the CFP Top 25 does theirs, do you get a little bit nervous this week, or do you feel like it's nice to have some competition now? No, because I know, Pat, that they've been checking the feeds every week mm -hmm. okay. on social media, so they've been copying it out a lot of what I put, put in there, and they're using that now as their data and their evidence, okay. some of their, their backing. Okay, well, we respect and appreciate that, and it's hard to argue. Let's dive into this week's top six, General. All right, so we got the first two sitting out. I got a 5A and a 5B here because it was crushing oh, me. So I've oh. got Oregon sitting here at six. I've got Washington at five. I'm going to tell you, I know Washington has beaten Oregon, so what has happened on the field matters. But the last two weeks, man, yep. the Huskies have struggled. And you were out there, Pat. You saw Kyle Whittingham and the team that he puts out in Utah and the fact that Oregon did to them what they did Holy smokes, I did not see that ambush coming. Yeah, I think what they were able to accomplish, especially in that yard, you know, they're yeah, 29 yeah. of the last 30. Tough place to play. It's at altitude. The fan base is rompous. The team that Kyle Whittingham has built is one that's tough. It's going to play you tight no matter what. So for Oregon to go in there and boat race them was certainly impressive to all of us. The Washington team, now they only scored 15 the week after the massive win, and everybody started to wonder, oh my God, what the hell's going on? Then they get into a close one, but they score 40-some points. Mm -hmm. So the offense still hopefully back maybe they'll be able to find their way a lot of season left and i appreciate that you said on the field matters here for 5a and 5b who's the number four general so i got florida state sitting there for they beat up wake forest they're looking pretty good they've got a clear path to the acc championship as long as they don't stub their toe and jordan travis has been really elite so booger what he said there's a lot of truth they might be the most talented team but i don't think we're really going to find out a ton based upon what the rest of the acc is this season. Who they got? They got Pitt, Miami, and Florida left. Yep. I think, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's who Florida State has left. Miami next. And North Alabama. So I think it's like Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, Florida, if I'm not mistaken. I you're correct. They yep. played their best football against Wake. They looked 
incredible this past weekend. I appreciate that they're in the top four and that they have a road to it because Florida State being back is a big deal. Oh, yeah. Congrats to Coach Norvell if that's the case. They don't love me down there. I put them at six in that first one. Well, Boy, Oklahoma shits the bed. Now, I still believe in that. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a bad game every mm -hmm. once in a while, especially in Kansas. You know, it's not easy out uh -huh. there. But then for them to show up in the best way, good for them. Happy for you. I apologize. Who's at number three, General? All right, number three, I got the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, they beat Whoa. up Florida pretty good in the world's largest cocktail party. Carson Beck has been rolling still. And they did it all with Brock without Brock Bowers, which to me, Coach, was the most impressive thing they were able to do. They're looking good. They got Missouri. Pretty big test this week. A 7-1 and one Missouri Tigers team that they're going to be taking on, ranked 14th in the polls. So we'll see kind of how they end up breaking and what that looks like. Okay, so this is a little different than the uh... – college football playoff top five because mm -hmm. they had Georgia too because they I think they said well we all said they're back-to-back -back national champs right. haven't lost mm -hmm. playing their best football you got them at three at number two obviously it feels like this is Connor Stallions' team oh the Connor Stallion led Michigan Wolverines he's everywhere Pat. you see him on sidelines popping up central Michigan 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 State he's everywhere what he's doing but the Michigan Wolverines had a bye last week they've got Purdue 32 point favorites Listen, what they've done on the field is indisputable now. Take the other off-the-field stuff. We'll figure that out as the rest of this season goes. But they put a really good product out there thus far. AJ, how do you feel about University of Michigan at number two there above Georgia? Well, that's all right. Like I said, only the top four matters. As long as you're one of the top four, you're good. How'd that feel whenever Saban said, I, I agree with AJ? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, it's all out in front of you. You take care of business, you'll be there. That's all that matters. 100% true. Day by day, play by play. How do you do it? And number one has been the general's number uh -huh. one since the very beginning. Before this quarterback even took a snap as a starter with Marvin Harrison Jr. this season, general believed. Who's number one? Uh, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes, baby Kyle McCord. Not his best game against Wisconsin. But the Camp Randall is a tough place to play. And that defense, Pat, you talked about it. Ten points again. They are dealing. And they got this little running back named Travion Henderson. You know what? When they give him the ball, he looks pretty darn good, too. He's got a little explosion. Can take it to the next level. He's back, right? I mean, that was oh, a big yeah. conversation. Yeah. Then he also had Mayan, right? Is, uh, is he out? Somebody out. Was it Mayan that got hurt? I don't know. Train yeah, him? Think Maybe my, train him? Yeah, I, Chip's, Chip's good. I think Bayern's out. Uh, I think they announced yeah, season-ending knee surgery. So that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for him. So that backfield is going to be – the defense, though, this is the story, AJ. You know, last year, obviously, we see CJ. We see Marvin Harrison Jr. We see Cade Stover still doing it this year yep. for that Ohio State team in the tight end. And we think to ourselves, offensive juggernaut. Ryan Day's got his offensive juggernaut. Now, just a couple years removed from them being what? Swiss cheese, pretty much. Yeah. On the defensive side at one point, which I know yep. you guys had to hate. That defense is real deal, AJ. They're real. They smother – folks yeah Jim Knowles D coordinator James Laronitis linebackers I tell you what yeah they they seem to hold up too for four quarters they, they bring it and I think they have a little bit of an attitude about them I think they're top five in what points yards uh, everything yeah. they're like top five in everything like when was the last time that happened for Ohio State real like that's an actual question in a while Bob might know right, but probably since AJ was running around and the good news is Pat in his locker Tommy Eichenberg's got this picture of AJ Hawk like no. flexed up Ready to rock, dude. The long hair looking good. Yes. I and mean, he's got the he's circled. This is the guy he wants to be. Well, you know, a lot of people told us that he's basically Tommy Eichenberg is AJ Hawk, right? Isn't that what people say? He's the basically the spitting image of the guy. Oh, very similar. I mean, you've managed to kind of pry that personality out of him. When AJ was in school, I mean, he was just grunts and head nods and give me some dumbbells. So let me start cranking these biceps a little bit. And that's Tommy Eichenberg, it sounds like. Oh, Tommy Eichenberg, elite meathead in the best way possible. Okay. Nice. Does he love Chuck Berry too? 
Whoa, listen, Chuck Berry. Does he like great guitar? I don't know. Well, I hope he hasn't learned of Chuck Berry. I hope the next generation gets a chance to just live their lives without ever seeing that. Because I was forced to see it. These eyes were forced. Yeah, it's tough. These eyes were forced to see it by that man right over there. Anyways, let's move along. Tommy Eichenberg, doesn't have to be your way. That doesn't have to be how you are. On the field, B.A.J., off the field, you be Tommy Eichenberg, okay? And the world will be very grateful for it. That's your top six. Any gimmicks this week? What do we got popping? I got two for you, Coach. You talked a little bit about the Kansas Jayhawks. It's been 30 years since 84 that they've had a win like that. My man, Mr. Bean, got it done. You know what? The top-ranked movie in 1984, top grossing, was Ghostbusters with Bill Murray, Halloween weekend, getting it done. They ain't afraid of no ghosts, taking (laughs) down the Oklahoma Sooners 38-33 and a huge win there. So that was fantastic for them. Coach Leipold's got a beautiful thing going on over there. We were there for game day last year. They lost to TCU that day. but It was like TCU. That was their coming out party where Quentin Johnston had, uh, I think, two tuds in the fourth quarter and did their thing. Great campus. They're building a facility over there. It's Mm. like they're investing in, in football over there, General. They are. Real deal. They are. You love you love it when you see basketball schools dive all the way in and then like flip it on their head. Kentucky's tried to do it a little bit with Mark Stoops. Now we're seeing Kansas, UNC, although they've struggled a little bit. But I love Duke. getting that football in the Midwest in Lawrence, Kansas. Duke, absolutely. If you can get Riley Leonard's ankle healed up, they'll be ready to rock. Yeah, why not? You know, if you're one of those schools. Yeah. Kansas, what, they got the number one team in the country in basketball? Oh, yeah. It's like a lot of eyes on that school. Yeah, very good at basketball. Self. Athletic department probably does pretty good mm-hmm. because your team is very good. Lance Leipold's been a guy who they said is like kind of looking for the next job, but he said, like, hey, I want to be here. I want to build this. So. That's so tough to say in college. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is so tough to say. All right, last one here, General. What do we got? All right, Coach. My man, he doesn't even have a cigar in his mouth right now. I'm wondering if he's sick or what's oh, going no. on. But oh, no. I got my man, the AJ, oh. close but no cigar. Listen, the Arizona Wildcats, they lost a close one to USC. They lost a close one to Washington. <laughs> Jed Fish getting it done. Oregon State, a nice top 11 win for him this weekend. Finally get that AJ Hawk cigar, able to choke that up. Finally in their third attempt. Okay. Yeah. I like this one. We need more of this type of the, the, the Ghostbusters was very timely. Mm-hmm. Very timely. Oh, yeah. You know, because of Halloween. Right. And also number one movie at the same exact time and mm-hmm. the reference of what yep. you're making. That's brilliant. AJ Cigar though, I like that. Next level. Yeah. I like the AJ. High state rapper on that cigar too, though. It's nice. Yeah, Whoa. it's a good graphic. Yeah. Hey, dirty, that a baby. Good work. Good work, Dirty. Yeah, go. Dirty. Good work, Dirty. Also on the lower thirds that are popping up. Nick Dirty, Zito. Everybody. Learn some. Everybody. Also, to the general, the man. What do you got for the rest of the day here? Are we doing business with Garage Beer? You just housing a few of those or you go? No, go ahead. No, uh, no golf, coach. I'm going to come out here. When I go on vacation, you know, I get up, I get a little workout in, got to run, did some calisthenics and push ups, sit ups. You want to make sure you're keeping that vascularity high. And you know what I'm going to do the rest of the day? It's time to get down to some steady drinking out here on the West Coast. It's almost noon. So I'm going to pop these earbuds off. I'm going to go back to the pool and hang out with it. Yes. Oh, this is a planned oh, gimmick. Yeah. Planned gimmick. Well, he's the back. He's pro- yeah. Oh, oh, did he slip? I think he was trying to do a backflip. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was certainly on. Hey, General, you can't hear us, but thank you. Thank you, General. Thank you, General. That was a little whirly bird thing. 
It was a little half. Yeah, McTwist. Oh, man, I'm so glad he didn't completely fall and smash his head. Because uh, Bob is a man of the water. He loves to go. Bob will be high diving it, doing backflips, doing gainers. Yeah, he loves entertaining people in the pool. Yeah, I appreciate him going all in there, too, showcasing that properly jocked yep. Bach. Yeah, jeez. Uh, but I didn't even think about it going wrong. I thought about I thought he was going up on the rocks, maybe. So did I. And going to go a little bit Jack Can you imagine we got to call California PD? Hey, he's drowning. We don't know where he, he is. He said he's but... in the backyard of Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how big that is. He's in a pool. He's he's Now he's he's drowning right now. We were watching him. Can you please send somebody? What's the address? Look for the look for the vanilla gorilla that just did the half backflip floating in a pool. He's huge. Hey, you guys are yes. in a contest, huh? That's what it is. No, no, but Bob's like... Bob's gone up. He can go up and down, too, where he's gotten up. Like, I, I don't know how many years ago he got up to, like, 275, 280 what? just to do it. And then he, you know, drops down to 225 and shredded. Like, yeah, that's what he does. Is He do, he does the uh, chicken and rice thing every meal. Not you, I know you don't eat anything, yeah. but you – like no, Bob eats a lot of food. Bob has always – you know, he's eaten for, like, three or four people. He always has. Yeah, but is it, like, very healthy food that he's eating? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's mainly all, yeah. Mainly, yeah, super healthy. But he eats a lot of it. You hear the way they, oh, uh-huh. this guy's a pig. Yeah, a lot of it. Gross. No, no, white saying, rice. Four chicken yeah. breasts. Oh, it's, it's, it's no, Bob's greatest, his greatest skill, too, is able to mix every single alcohol in one dinner sitting and have, like, a drink from every part of the drink menu, every kind of alcohol possible, and still feel great and continue. That's and also, wake up the next morning very early and be the general Bob Carpenter. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I saw him. Maybe down at the Super Bowl one night. Maybe. Mm-hmm. First Maybe. time I ever met him in Maybe real life. Maybe in Miami. Maybe, Maybe in yeah. Miami. Yeah. And we just got there. We ended up like we were still doing the Daily Show at the time, so it's always difficult to kind of bounce back and forth. That is a true statement. We fly down <laughs> there, and as soon as we get there, Bob was coming back from some event, and we had mutual friends, obviously. Coach comes up, and he, he had probably had a good couple drinks, it felt like, before he met us. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then he sat down, we were playing some cards, had a good conversation. He had a couple more, and I'm like, hey, we gotta be up at like 4 a.m. for get up tomorrow. Like it's, This is a very early morning. He goes, coach, what would, what would Jim Irsay do right now? Yeah, he did. And he gives me a full speech in public about what the legends of past would do right now with get up on the early horizon tomorrow morning. And I said, uh, I think some of them would go to bed if they had the same day as me. I For think sure. they would go to bed, but I think some of them would do what I think you're about to do. He goes, Coach, oh, yeah. I'm like, that a baby. So then I get up the next morning. So early. I'm dead. I am so tired at this point. Super Bowl, I'm dead. I'm not a good morning person. I go, General had a suit, tie on. Had a coffee. Yep. He was waiting for everybody yep. oh, yeah. at that table pretty yep. much. And it was like, that was on purpose. And also, that's a skill that not a lot of people have, especially at his age, AJ, especially at his age. Uh, he takes pride in that. He takes pride in being able to get up and still get a great workout in, have a productive day. And I believe on that trip, I believe he lost his phone either that night or the next day when he was trying to fly home. And his wife was like calling his phone and oh. some random Uber driver's picking it up and they tried to coordinate. And I, don't, I think he end, <laughs> ended up getting it, actually. That might have been the night that we saw him, to be honest. Yeah, it could have been. I I think it, no, it was. I believe it was when I was. we were talking about it a, a while ago. I was gobsmacked yeah. Yeah. by <laughs> seeing him in the morning. Like, oh, yeah. I walked into this production room, and the first human I see is the general. Good morning, coach. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong? How? What is wrong with this guy? This is remarkable. The last thing I saw before I went to bed, 
And then the first thing I saw waking up earlier than I've ever woken uh -huh. up pretty much in my oh, life yeah. was the same exact person two completely opposite ways. I've never been more impressed. I don't know if he slept. I have no idea. Not. I have no idea how he did it, but I'm impressed by that. And guy. it was so hot the next day. So hot. I mean, you guys had that set right on the on the beach, like off the yeah. boardwalk there. Holy shit. I mean, that, that was a impressive performance. Yeah, shout out to the general. And also, he said they're taking his notes. Then putting Ohio State at one, I immediately was like, Whoa. Yeah. General. That's what Bob's had this general. entire uh -huh. thing, Chuck, honestly. What? When do you start calling you coach? Has he always called you coach? <laughs> it's like Frog. You know how Frog calls everybody coach? Yeah. Coach. Oh, okay. Coach. It's just like how they kind of speak. Now, I could assume you get offended by that. Yeah, sure. That's stolen valor on them. Yeah. I'm the fucking no, not coach. At all. I just wondered why. Nah. Where that came from. There's some people that use coach, buddy. Mm -hmm. yeah, pal, pal, parts. You love Buddy. Buddy, Buddy. buddy. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I did not start that. Obviously, I heard that from somebody. And I was like, Yeah, that is. If we need to talk to people, that is how we're going to go. Pal was a good one for a while. Lad was going there for yeah, a while. Whenever Gumpy got introduced into our into our speaking circle, there was uh, some European flavor coming in from North Left Canada. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. hell yeah, that was good. The Lads one was a good run. Oh yeah, still going, still going strong. I agree. I agree. It doesn't sound good coming out of my Cuzzy. Cuzzy had a good run. That's Pittsburgh. I guess New York does a lot of Cuzzy, too. Yeah. But really? Yeah. I guess, yeah, because I, I said it one time, and then somebody from New York came up to me, and they were like, why are you saying that? And I was like, whoa. Jeez. Uh, Calm down, Bruce. Yeah, buddy, yeah. pal. No, it wasn't Bruce. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was not Bruce. And I was like, Pittsburgh, I think, Cuzzy as well. Oh, oh, good, good. Oh, nice. Y'all, Yins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All that shit. Yeah, I don't know if you, Bruce is doing this thing lately where he starts a lot of his sentences with, Sentences with being from New York. Yeah, as a New Yorker. As a New Yorker. Oh, really? I haven't heard. He has not oh, presented really? anything that way to me. Probably oh, you lucky son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. Did it once. Never, never again. <laughs> Would you use it for what? Who'd you do it? Uh, I think we're talking about Italian food specifically. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. To Tone? You did this to Tone? And Nick. Anthony DiGiulio. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. did, you did that too? Yep. What do you brag about the water in New York? Yep. Yeah. With the pasta? Yeah. Um, the bagels. Oh, did you really? Bagels, yep. Yeah, it was all nice. Yeah. You guys don't know good pizza out here. A sandwich shop, you have no idea. You've never had a good sandwich in your life. The whole nine. What a pig. Little to be Chianti. fair, Chianti. There, there is a lot of truth about what he's saying. It is different in New York. It's very good. I concur. And I hate New York. And I think, like, the hit rate is higher. Yes, yeah, there sure. it is. I think That's, the hit rate is higher in New York. I think that There's is a, a billion restaurants, too. You can walk 30 right. feet and go to 15 spots. But I think you get a dollar one. Gonna be oh, pretty good. I love New York. I love walking around New York City and just popping in, eating somewhere, like, yeah, having no plans. That's my favorite. You're getting $1.50 in Indiana. It's going to be shit. Crap. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a little be... Italy, AJ? Uh, I don't know if I have, Chuck. I, I don't believe so. I'd ha I, you'd have probably have to chaperone. the right one. I imagine. Yeah, I've been down there. I've been down there a couple of different times. Walked past the, the club, the social club that Gaudi, I think, got arrested in and mm -hmm. everything yeah. like that. you eating anywhere? Oh. Have you stopped uh, and had dinner? I think we had pizza and pasta at a couple of different places. The difference is, like, people be like, is there any good Italian places around here? And I'm like, there's one. But yeah, yeah what's it called? No, what's that one called? Uh, Fazoli's. 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 Yeah. Also, Ooh, yeah. Pizza Breadsticks. Hut. Pizza Hut, pretty good. Pretty good Italian pasta. place. <laughs> yep. Oh, thin crust pizza hut, yeah. They've actually even taken on uh, American buffalo wings. They have. At, at the Italian pizza hut. Yeah, very good. Time. They do a great job. Very good. Yeah. The wings need a commercial, actually, from pizza. They might have the best wings that are orderable to your house. Now, Buffalo Wild Wings are always going to be king because they are wing place. Mm -hmm. But if you're just like, I would rarely order a side of wings from most places. Yes. You know, because got to be crispy, got to be tasty. You can't sure. just kind of mail it in on it. If it's not your main thing, you're rarely going to spend actual money on any good chicken wings. 
Pizza Hut's wings, legit. Oh, and yeah. they never talk about it. The best. They don't, and they should. They should. It's damn crap. Well, funny it thing, is. remember they had that whole wing street, wing street gimmick? Yeah. yeah, it almost tanked their whole business, so they had oh. to go back. Jeez. <laughs> back to the drawing board. Why? It didn't do well. No, you got to promote it as a side. I think they changed the, the ingredients in the recipe, though. Oh, they got better wings. They're better chickens. Yeah, you can't waste the failure. Coach Saban told us that. That's right. Amen. Speaking True. of Coach Saban, uh, he is a man who every time he speaks, I feel like I'm getting better. Absolutely. That is the real deal. And I wish we could talk to him more about NFL stuff because I feel like he has a wealth of knowledge in the NFL stuff. But there's a team up there in New York, the Buffalo Bills, Mm -hmm. who made a couple signings and acquisitions this week that are certainly hilarious if you just look at the grand scheme of, like, life, if you will. So one of the first big moves – or the last, I guess, big move of trade deadline was Razul Douglas out of the Green Bay Packers, who was playing phenomenal. I think he led the team in tackles, we learned, from undercover dogs or pass breakups, yeah. I do believe. Yeah, one of the very few bright spots on the Packers' defense. And even Keyshawn Nixon basically said today, like, everyone in the locker room is gobsmacked that uh, he's gone and, like, now we're left to pick up the pieces, kind of. West Virginia guy, absolutely loved by pretty much every teammate that he's ever have, or had. And one of the reasons why is he's not scared to make it up a little bit. That's right. He's now a new member of the Buffalo Bills this week via a trade. Look at these situations with Josh Allen. 15 inside the 10. Inside the 5. Gets That's him, 29. Okay, we got a little chirpy. We okay. got a little chirpy. Mm-hmm. What does that lead to? Do they talk anymore? Oh, here's later in the game. Right to his face. Okay? You fucking suck right to his face after trying to run him over and saying he absolutely loves it. Now he gets traded over there. Immediate conversation is, you think Razul and Josh Allen are going to get along? They're probably going to be the bestest of friends Mm -hmm. because both of them play a similar style. Now let's go to another acquisition this week. They brought in another running back, which makes sense to none of us. Okay? We think James Cook is incredible. Latavius Murray, hey, great work. Ten-year vet doing his thing. But they bring in another running back, just adding weapons, I guess, to a team that wants to make a long run. Leonard Fournette, if you do remember, potentially mixed it up with – Shaq Lawson, who's still on the team in 2018. Here comes Leonard Fournette and 90. Boom, Shaq Lawson. What? 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 Full square up. Fist throw. This is back whenever Leonard Fournette was not playoff Lenny or Lombo Lenny. Mm -hmm. This is when he was a Jacksonville Jaguar. And look who's on top of who with his helmet off on Shaq Lawson. Elbow down around the throat. Full brawl. That wasn't it. Buffalo Bills and Leonard Fournette. They know our Bills Mafia and Leonard Fournette. They know each other pretty well. As well, on his way out here, these Buffalo fans were saying some rude stuff to him. And then if you watch closely enough, not only saying stuff, boom, Got beer can to the head. So you would think maybe there'd be a little tough tension. But, AJ, I think I heard you saying – this is what teams love. The Buffalo Bills love that they got a guy who potentially not only mixed it up with them, but also somebody else's team going forward. You want those guys on your team, although you don't want those penalties. How do you feel about this being what the Bills made the acquisitions of this week? I think that's part of the reason they made the acquisitions, because they know like the attitude and effort that these guys can bring to the team. And that's the thing. Like If you mix it up and have little skirmishes with guys when you're on different teams, a lot of times the first person that you'll walk, like Rosal Douglas walks in, just happens to see is probably Josh Allen. Like guys like that where all of a sudden you start laughing and then you joke about it and then you're getting around a circle and you talk about what you guys have gone back and forth with each other and things you've said to each other and things like that. And I guarantee you in practice they'll be talking to each other as well. And it'll be fun to watch them 
kind of get excited for one another when they're on the same team here now. Like when if Razul gets a pick or something, let's see Josh Allen go over there and just that's what I'm looking forward to. You watching don't all fucking that. suck. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't yeah, fucking exactly. suck. And then like Shaq Lawson and Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette talked about how that was in 2018. Whoa, we are getting old. That was in 2018. Why? He said in the off season in 2020 or before 2020, the COVID season, they ran into each other and they kind of hashed it out. And I know Shaq is an absolute dog oh, for sure. Okay, oh, I know yeah. that's the case. Yep. But look at this Leonard Fournette that showed up in Buffalo. We have this photo of this dude. His hamstrings are flexing out of his pants. Look Jesus. at this fucking guy. My God. <laughs> Look at this. That's a hamstring. What? That's a fucking hamstring. That's not real. That's AI. This is actual human that showed up at the Bills. No way. This is no. him. Come on. Look at, he's always, I, I think AQ and I wish we could have asked him this question in a better show would have done that. But I asked AQ Shipley whenever he was at Tampa about them signing Leonard Fournette. I'm like, what's he like? Because I've been a fan since he was at LSU. Obviously, he looked like a 40-year-old yep. motherfucking man mm -hmm. playing against those kids in college. And then whenever he got to Jacksonville, thought it was going to work. It ends up not working. He gets to Tampa. I'm like, what's he like? He goes, fucking huge. He's like, whenever, whenever he's around, you have no – he is so large. And then this picture, he might be in the best shape He's been in, yeah. looking for an opportunity. The Buffalo Bills got better. Shaq Lawson now fighting alongside of this guy is obviously a great combination for the offense and the defense. But look at that human, AJ. Look at that shit. Are you kidding me, dude? Yeah, I guess they they, they probably – did they even work him out? They probably brought him in. They looked at him like, okay, yep. yep. We're good. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. You don't need to really run around or anything. I used to say that when I uh, never lifted my upper body ever and I just ate terribly, and boy, did I look terrible – I'd walk in there for a PED test and almost just be like, can I just lift this thing up? Mm -hmm. And just be like, yo, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Yeah. That's the same type of test the Buffalo Bills do with Leonard Fournette, possibly. And I also like the fact that he cut his shorts so damn short, or oh, his yeah, pants, he, he knows. so damn short. He's like, let's give, let's give these people a show. Mm -hmm. Let's let them know Remind what they signed out here. Everybody talks about Saquon, the quad father, and right. everything like that. Yep. But how about the ham? The hams. The hamstring. That's unbelievable. That is fucking remarkable. Like his legs are backwards. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. He's got two quads. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, on and each that. leg. This guy's got two quads, one in the front, one in the back. It doesn't make any sense. Congrats, Leonard Fournette, doing his thing. Congrats. You think that's probably his outfit for the for the workout? Yeah, I would think. Right? Right? Just showed up there Just, like that? Mine might have no, been. No, I mean, naked. you know how you bring a guy in. You're going you're gonna to work him out. <laughs> Every guy we Maybe. brought in, you're going to work yeah. him out to make sure physically. They're going to go do a physical, so clean, and then dude. you're going to do a little workout with him. Not much. But damn, if he did that, then it's like Sean McDermott, well, hey, shut this thing down. He's fine. We don't need a waste around yeah. here. Yeah. All right, we don't need a potential ankle or anything. Let's just let's do that in practice at least. Let's get a photo of this guy running around. Because there was other Buffalo Bills players, full winter jackets. Mm -hmm. Full winter jackets yeah. at the same practice. <laughs> Chilly up there. Okay, so guy from Louisiana played for Jacksonville and Tampa Bay going up into Buffalo looking like that in a cold day. Seems like he's potentially revitalized, excited for the opportunity. We're excited to watch him do his thing. Congrats to Brandon Bean and yep. McDermott yep. and Josh Allen. They got Sunday Night Football against the Bengals. Here we go. They got Sunday Night Football against the Bengals. And if you look across these primetime games coming up here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. Do good ones? It's about it. time. It. Sunday's awesome. Yeah, it is. Sunday, we got a 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain Time. Yep. And then we got a 1 o'clock slate that's great. Mm -hmm. And then we got 4.15 that's great. Yep. And then we got Bills, Bengals, Sunday Night Football. Hell yeah. Best Sunday yet. Hell yeah. And then we got Chargers, Jets. Okay. Mm. And then we start, uh, uh, you know, Justin Herbert. Zach Wilson, next Sunday night football. Oh, my God. Oh, baby. 
What a thing. The flexing era we are in now, okay, should be able to make it a non-miss situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the NFL, we, these unders are hitting on these primetime games. And hey, last year, you go back to last year, primetime games, kind of a uh, – it's like Chiefs-Dolphins right now, 9.30 a.m. In Germany. Banger. In Germany, bro. And I know, like, Stephen A. did an entire speech about how that needs to be in America yep. and everything like that. I do appreciate the fact that they're growing the game and they're putting good games over there. I think that's awesome. I think it's good business. I think it's smart. And I think Germany is an incredible fan base that warrants a type of game like this game. But with that being said, that game needs to be yeah. prime. That, that, that game's not Chiefs-Dolphins at this stage of the season with where they're at, with what just happened with Patrick Mahomes last game and everything like that, and where the Dolphins are being the greatest show on turf times 10. It's like we need to not put it at night in Germany. I don't care. Yeah. And I apologize to the Guten Tag becomes Guten Morning because of the time zone difference, but it's like there is a couple of these situations where we wonder how the games are where they are, and it's like maybe the overs start hitting a little bit more maybe. if we get Ooh. the home run games at mm-hmm. the same time, and he's primetime A.J. Hawk. Yeah, so what is the over-under for this one in Germany? Do we know? That's a great question. 49. That's a great question. Take the over. If the weather's decent, take the over. 50 and a half. There it is. That's a big number. I mean, wouldn't you think over? Yes. Both of their teams, I believe, have, what, the highest average overs? Yeah. As long as it's not like sloppy, terrible conditions, I would take the over. In Germany, is that – the vibes in that stadium are going to be high. I mean, these are yeah. two. I think these two teams, a lot of superstars. KC's been struggling though. They don't. They haven't scored a lot of points. They only nine last week. They're actually an under. And I know. I know. He was sick. Very sick. Very sick. He had a flu. Yeah. Very sick. Very sick. Incredibly I mean, sick. I mean, deathbed. Yeah. Well, he he survived. So, yeah. but he showed he showed up gritty. KC yeah, is gritty ass dude for his team. Yeah, they haven't been scoring a lot. But and I think. And, listen and to this. Miami Dolphins game. Play, playing better defense now. They're getting better. In that, uh, you think it's going to feel like a special game, like a bowl game, because they're in Germany, and maybe we see the best of the Chiefs or no? Hey, who went? Who went early? Miami went early, right? Yeah, they've been there a week. You heard McDaniel; he's popping I'm, jokes off. Yeah, I'm sold on. I'm sold on. I mean, you're 100 percent in on the fact because we had an international difference. Come be a part of another team. Hey, you want to go on Thursday? Hell no. Want to go on Tuesday? Monday. Monday. Let's yeah. get more days over there. As soon as we finish playing the last game, get your bag loaded up and get your ass on the plane. Let's do a bowl week out there. We're going. How come? What do you think the biggest benefit Adjustment. is? Adjustment. To what? Climate Everything? The clock. The body clock. You remember how bad we felt? Yeah, I do. I, I absolutely I mean, it was do. gross. Yeah, I mean, I got fucked by Walt Anderson in that game, so uh-huh. I have a different opinion about that. He put kicking. It was a nice job on TV. Yeah. He, that was a little drop-in. A little drop-in. Yeah. They look good. Yeah, but also, like, that's the first time they've ever done that, right? In a primetime game where they tried to nip in the butt the narrative of a call directly from headquarters. And Walt Anderson put K-Ball 7 in that game. You're not supposed to do that. Like The explanation, what did you think of the explanation? So that's going to be interesting because if this is going to become a thing, I think we appreciate that because John Perry was the complete opposite of what Walt Anderson said. So the official expert on the TV, right, who's given us – or some people' opinions or narratives potentially mm-hmm. about how it's going was the complete opposite of what the NFL in New York was, mm-hmm. which I think was the same exact problem that happened with the pass interference review, with the execution of it all, where everybody on earth saw one thing, and then the New York office saw something different. I'm not saying that's the case on Monday, but I'm I am saying if he's going to continue to come out and talk, they're almost, they might show their ass a little bit. Mm. But also on the other side. It might make it a lot better for us all to understand why these no, decisions are going the way they are. Accountability 
you know, standpoint, coming out and trying to explain yourself and teach public, hey, this, this is what we saw. This is the letter of law. Hey, receiver vicinity. That's the way it goes. That's what the book says. Well, so you obviously. You know what he said? Yes. You know the have a receiver in the vicinity. That's why they should have the same uh, opinion, right? The official, the yeah, the everybody should have the same opinion, Perry. right? Like, shouldn't they be the same then? They work for different people. John Perry works for network. Walt Anderson works for NFL commissioner owners. Like, who would be the people that'd be like, "Hey, we suck"? Is that the owners saying that to Walt Anderson to the refs or commissioner? How how's that get handled? Do you think commissioner? Hmm. You don't know. What do you think? Well, you tell me. You actually no, know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's how they do it. I would assume Roger is his back boss. and forth. What's that? I would assume Roger is his boss. Okay, so Walt Anderson, he answers to Raj. So whenever he drops, so Raj had to come up with the idea of Walt Anderson dropping into these games or if he's going to continue to drop they've, into these games? They've done it before in the past. Have they've, they? They've done these things before. I know like on uh, Telemundo, is it? Oh. On Telemundo. Like Al okay. would get on there. Chuck. I would get on there and, so who, and, and talk in Spanish. I think ta- and relay stuff. Alberto awesome. Riveron on Telemundo. Okay, so we need that. Okay, so if he could do that in English too, that'd be great on yeah, our games. Yeah. And I think it is tough though because if they're wrong, if if we all see football differently than the head officials, at least we learn that information. Then at least we know, like, hey, the way they're viewing it is different than how we're all viewing it. That's why we're all upset all the time. That'd be a good piece of information to learn, AJ. I think people would, would appreciate that. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I was looking at it wrong. I didn't really exactly know the rules. That's all you got to do. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. And then also, well, that's a horseshit way to break down that letter of the law. Exactly. Your interpretation of that particular rule we think is wrong, but at least we know that that's why the call is being made. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I and I, I think to Connor's point too, though, like if that, the first time he's popping up there – and it's like we're we're supposed to we we don't hear from Walt Anderson hardly ever. I mean Telemundo, sure, but like the first time he's coming on, and the guy who is the the rules czar, and we're supposed to, he's supposed to know everything about everything. They have two different interpret in, interpretations and opinions of what the hell's going on. It's like, well, what the fuck are we well, doing here? Then? Yeah. Let's not forget when I feel like I don't know if he was the first one, but he's the first one I remember. Mike Carey was on CBS, and he got every call wrong. He was the first one. He was. I see he this struggled. one. He struggled a bit. Bad. He was the first guy, which I think I'm happy that they powered through that potential. Oh, this is not good. This is not good. Yeah. Because I do believe, like Gene Steratore. Yeah. He's awesome. Pereira, the best. Yes. The best. He shows you that, hey, you can't just get on. Like, you have to be good at that. You can't just show up and say, oh, yeah, I'll explain the rules a little bit. Like Gene has a way of connecting with people and explaining it. Gene's father was a referee. Right. His older brother was a referee. He comes from a family of referees. So as it's very evident that he's watching the replay in real time with you, because he's not scared to be like, in this particular angle, I don't think it's enough for, and then they show a different one. He goes, now that angle, it is very evident that that ball touched the ground. It assisted in the reception. This should be incomplete, and we move forward with a third down. And then, like, immediately afterwards, the ref's like, after further review, incomplete, third down. It's like there's legitimacy behind it. Yeah. You're hearing what the ref is potentially actually thinking, and then it's matching up with what the ref is saying immediately afterwards. It's like when Tony Romo was predicting all of Tom Brady's plays. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, that gives Tony Romo legitimacy. Sweet. He, he understands what's going on. So to everybody's point here, to hear like the ref think one thing, the expert think one thing, and then the people actually doing it think it completely different. It's like, oh my God, we're never going to figure this out. So they got to get on the same. Everybody's got to be aligned. 
Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got to be alive. Exactly. We need that for the good of the game. <laughs> Everybody's got to be alive. Well, and Gene, too, like it was refreshing because I think it was during the Packers-Broncos game with the Kareem Jackson thing when he basically said, like, no, this is, uh, it, it, you know, I don't know if he called for him to be ejected, but he basically agreed with it. And then on Tuesday, something came out, and he, he tweeted out, like, hey, a big part of this is, you know, I – Hand up! I was wrong. Like this is the wrong interpretation of the oh, rule. Yeah. I was not correct. Yeah. Human. Like, yeah, you and you you never hear that from referees ever. So like you know that that was pretty. You talking refreshing. about the fair catch thing that happened? Is well, that... I mean, I wasn't. Now I'm thinking about it. Sure, but I mean, like you know, when we talk about it, the only time you ever hear about this is like, well, they do the reporter pool after the game. That's never made public, and no one ever hears anything. So it's like, if these guys do make a mistake, you you never hear about it unless they have a Twitter account and are saying on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, like, yeah, I fucked up. I made the wrong call. Tough job. Very Brutal. tough. Mm. Tough job. Don't want to do it. No. Not meant for it. But there are people out there that want to do it. And our that goes a long it. way, though. What's that? Goes a long for the come out and be accountable and say, yeah, hey, absolutely. Yeah. We made, and that's not that hard. Human, because we're all human, and we would all appreciate that. Okay, and you actually feel better. I mean, right. goddamn, I hate it for this dude. He's catching all this. I mean, we're human, and we all know how hard this game is to. Yeah, there's gonna be people that hate time. him regardless, right? Of course, or her. There's gonna no, be people yeah, that hate him of, her regardless, and because of this, you know, 2023 and everything that's going on around football. That's why, yeah. But there will be people like us that'll say, now, Mm -hmm. the ref said afterwards that they were looking at this. It was clearly that. And, but we move forward. It kind of does give them a little bit more of a baby face, at least get to explain themselves a little bit. Well, and the other thing with Riveron, like we didn't find out that they were operating on a different set of like standards for a pass interference when they try to do the whole review thing for that. It's like as long as they're transparent and they tell us what they're looking for or what they missed, then it kind of wipes away at least a lot of the problems where we just assume if someone screws up on Sunday, nothing will be said, and then they're refereeing another game on Sunday. Like, with Gene doing that, that does kind of create the transparency that we've been looking for. We need Gene back on the field. We do. Yeah. Or on every single television. No chance. He needs to be the Walt Anderson. Yeah, he should yeah. be popping into yeah. games. He yeah. needs to be. Yeah. 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 They got the job. We just learned it. He's yeah. got the best job in the world. Yeah, but can't the NFL pay him? Triple it. To whatever it is. Would he be the voice? No, I'm not making enough money. Pig, I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not a problem. I mean, there's there's definitely not enough resources and funds to go around. No, nah, every network seems to find it. Yeah, and they're all doing. Those guys pain. are so good and done it for so long. And those guys retire and they go to John Perry, Gene. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pereira. I mean, I can't believe Hockley's not up there. To be honest, yeah, with I know. There had to be a massive. Probably their lift, goal. Don't you think lift. some young refs that might be their end goal? Okay, I'm gonna get in here. I'm going to be good for five or six years. Maybe I'll get really jacked. So I, I kind of set myself apart, and I hope to get hired by one of these networks. Yeah, I'd assume that there's definitely a thought, especially with Amazon's doing games now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Apple's probably oh, yeah. going to get in there. Right. Google's going to get in there. I mean, there's mm-hmm. going to be more jobs opening up. College ball, there's yeah. different, you know. There's a lot of opportunity there because that has become a staple of watching football games because the technology we have is so much better than just the regular ass, ah. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be question marks, especially with plays. And that's another thing we got to remember whenever we're, you know, saying things about these refs. Yeah, of course. The things that happen in football are absurd. Mm-hmm. Like a ball being fumbled, what, one one hundredth of a centimeter away from the goal line? Mm-hmm. Is it a game winning touchdown or a devastating touchback? Like, did it come out? And then you got a ref who's maybe fifty six years old running. Down. Uh, I don't think. Uh, 
calling a touchback, yeah. booed out of the stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Booed out of the stadium, and then they watch it on replay, and it's like, ooh, maybe, ooh, maybe not. So it's like we got to adapt both of those things, but we also got to understand that the human eye is not able to keep up with yeah. the modern shit that we have. Yeah. So we need to give them an excuse we need to give them an excuse or at least a tag team partner of technology. I think. With that being said, and w- before all that happens, it drives me insane when they will, they'll, re- they'll roll it, not a fumble. Knowing that if they rolled a fumble, it's automatically reviewed. Like just if you, if you have any slight of any doubt. Don't blow it dead. Don't blow it dead. Correct. Right? Yeah, but that just happened the with the Rangers. You don't... We're like, it was clearly not a fumble, but they yeah. couldn't overturn it because there's no angle of Reynolds on the ground. And then there's some we don't have a direct shot over. Yes. Like somehow Great. the first down marker. Well, so that's, a, that's the that's thing. Nuts. Like Bill Belichick talked about that ad nauseum. That a one o'clock game between two, two and five teams, two, two and six teams, right? There's like eight cameras. So there's the truck feeds. You don't get the shots. And then you go to a primetime game and there's 36 cameras. Why not put enough cameras yeah. in every – we've got enough technology, we've got enough funds and everything to equip every single stadium so we have every shot, we have every angle, we have every view. Yeah, that's an, it sounds like an easy answer. You know, they also already have a, a fucking microchip in the ball they're not using. Like, it, it, we just found that out. I, I get they have the technology. They're choosing not to fucking use it. Like, there, there's The microchip was certainly a wild, wild development. Yeah. Did now, you guys know when Jets went to spike that ball that the guy was just going to tap it and get the hell out of the way? No. So he did tap it, you're saying? Yeah. Okay, and then he got to That's good. That's all he has to do is set the ball. That's it. So players can put the ball down after a catch, and then so the rest if it lines up, the if receiver lines brought up. it to the center. The center was a backup center. You guys talked about it. Did an amazing job. Put the thing down. Actually looked at the line of scrimmage. Looked at the line judge and saw where the line judge came up and stopped and put it right on him. So great coaching by the staff yep. over there. Saul and the boys put it right on. So the guy came up, took a quick tap, and then got it. Huh. And you got to remember the guy on the side. He's checking whether or not the ball's right. Could just easily tell. Old buddy running down there, ball's good or whatever. And they're going to use they're going to use better judgment in those situations where like that ain't going to matter where they move that now moving forward. Hey, hold on now, that's a question. The one they kicked the ball, you saw that obviously where the ball was set on uh, I forget what it was. It was on a line, and then the ref just kind of kicks it back like a half yard or like moves it back. Arizona Baltimore, yeah, Yeah, just kind of kicks it back. Ball number one ninety six there has been broken in by Josh Dobbs now. Of the Minnesota Vikings, just what's that? I'll just move it. All right, let's move it back there. Damn. Yeah, how did that? How does that happen? Yeah, well, also that's being told to him he, through his earpiece. We assume absolutely, but that looks got terrible. It. Like yeah. somebody's got to well, say, they, they somebody's got to say, hey, we have just mm-hmm. been told they're working on it that this ball is actually mm. a half a yard behind this spot, ladies and gentlemen. First down the other way for the Baltimore Ravens. It's like that's just a conversation that I think should take place because once this video hits the internet and somebody just puts a narrative behind it, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're not even doing it. Boom, it's gone. And that's just the way the world is. You can hate it. You can say that's not right, but it's just reality. Hopefully we'll be able to figure it all out in the next couple of years because it gets loud for these. I think all we're trying to do is make these refs' lives better. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the game. And the game. Game, experience. Yes. Refs' lives. Right. Fans' lives, absolutely. Gamblers, gamblers' lives. Yeah, everybody, everybody's lives. Let's not We gotta, we gotta put out fires before they start. Right. They, you guys had Bettman on Gary. That was a fascinating conversation you guys had with him. Unbelievable. He's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I loved him. Um, do they have full time? 
I think so. In hockey? I think they're they're like a part of hockey. I mean, they those used guys, to, yeah. I don't yeah. know. They used yeah. to do like a four-day combine. Like I know in 2019, they used to have like a four-day referee combine. Well, they have the biggest physical toll of any ref ever. Like you have to be an elite skater, and you have to be able to dodge pucks coming at your head. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's hockey games every night of the week. Well, maybe an NFL ref, you should have to be an elite runner. Well, we agree. Like, that's what we're thinking. Like, yeah. full-time would do that. They'd have a team. They'd probably have a coach. They'd probably have a, a different strength coach. Everything. Yeah. And it's like year-round now. We're going Weigh-ins. Just like teams have weigh-ins. You think they're, they're cutting weight on Wednesday night, you think? Chip Kelly, <laughs> urine analysis. Yep. Are there three on the ice? Uh, yeah. Two referees and two uh, linesmen. Completely wrong. Thank you. Four of them. <laughs> Completely wrong. They're right there. They're awesome, though. They have a feel for the game. And I think, like, a feel for the game comes from being full-time and working a lot. It's like with the NFL refs, if they're full-time and they're fully committed and they're working, they can even have practice. Listen to this. Yes. They could have fucking practice. Yeah. Uh, They're not crazy. They could have practice where you have a team just show up. Like, I, I think it was uh, broadcasted. South Carolina's coach, uh, Don Staley, is Don Staley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a men's team that plays against the women's basketball team. That field that plays and does the whole thing. Whatever. Yeah, they were highlighters. It became a big conversation piece that it takes place. But I think it happens literally everywhere and has been happening for a very long time. You can piece together two teams to play a little bit and set up some situations. Third and goal. All right, we got mm -hmm. this going. They can really get better. I think they could actually... Get reps. better at the yeah. Everybody gets ready with reps. Just more reps. You're only gonna get better with the more reps you see. Yeah, craft. You, you just kind of like commit to your craft yeah. a little bit. Let's do that. Is um, officiating hockey much easier than it is from a no rule chance. standpoint? Or is it, then I don't know. Mm, I don't know. It seems league. impossible. Is there yeah, a, like, last feels night, like they're all hard. Yeah, last night there was a goal uh, from Jeff Skinner, and it was basically like a minute and a half, I think it was on the power play, where they were in the offensive zone, guy scores, and then they have to go back and review a minute and a half before when Off they sides. got into the yeah when they got into the zone. And then they had to undo the Is that goal. where the Hawkeye started? With Feels Hawking? with the NHL, they always XFL. get the reviews right, though. That's XFL. the big thing. XFL started the sky cam. Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. and, uh, hey, refs could also get some practice in the XFL, USFL, whatever the hell they're calling it. Yeah, the combination league. Exactly, yeah. It's like I think it's just come time where we need to put this fire out before it gets to a very, very big place. Yeah. Because it's going to get loud. It's more gambling. Yeah. Right. It's a large fire now. You know what I mean? Especially with yeah. the bulks starting to win. Raj knows that. Yeah. Raj knows like the partnerships they have and everything. I'm sure he's aware of it. You know why the scripting thing that ha got so loud last year, I think, personally? Because the books won last year. Every week. Yeah. It, was, it was, I don't know what the scores are uh, in boxing, but it was the biggest, the biggest one every round yeah. Yeah. last Ten week, six. pretty much. 10-6, 10-6, 10-6, 10-6 yeah. for like 18 straight weeks. And whenever that starts happening, that's when people are like, Gotta be. They're trying to fuck us. He's mother. Gotta be. And it got real loud. Now, the public started good this season. Public started good this real season. Real good start. That's the yeah. end of a while. A carrot. <laughs> Starting to get cold. Right. Big time. So you know what's coming then. If we just go off the analysis from last season, when everybody was, it is going to start getting loud again. And we have faith in the refs. We appreciate them. But we need to put that, we need to nip that one quickly yes. and get that thing figured out so at least feels like we're all in. Speaking of being all in, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Here we go. We've been able to make money off of this particular segment six times out of the last eight weeks. His brain is huge. His football resume is lengthy. Hell yeah. He's currently 6-2 and two against the spread on Thursday night football games. Ladies and gentlemen, the people's coach, Chuck Pagano. Tom Diggs has some info, I believe, before Be he gets started. Before he starts, there's breaking news that may change his opinion, may not. Oh. 
Matt Cannon is going to now pl call plays from the sideline instead of up in the booth. Oh, oh get a feel. Boots on the ground. Like this is huge because it's change. Yes. Which is not normally a thing that the Steelers organization does. It can't hurt. Different angle. Here we go. Maybe he'll get the feel, you know, the the basicness of the offense. Yep. When he's down there, he'll be like, geez. Holy shit. Holy fuck. We should try something else down here. You know, he gets a chance to chat with the boys every single series when it's done. Offensive lineman go, whoa, whoa, whoa. He gets to feel that. Yeah. Sure, That's good that. news. Now, Chuck, so we don't want that to sway you unless it does. I can't remember this from a communication standpoint. Because I can't, it's been so long and my memory's gone anyway. Sure. Yeah, no, you got I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, but yeah, uh, we didn't know. have anything. It was that, it, we had that Nine, meat. Yeah, yeah, the meat. We Donuts. had the meat. Like, do we know, like, has he got the coach thing right up in the box as well, or is it just the sideline? And did that, like, what coach like the Shane company, you know, there's no middleman? Is he uh, talking right to the right to the quarterback's headset? Are you asking? So I'm wondering, I like from the box, is it the same thing, or did he have to give it to a guy on the on the field? Give him so there was a two part deal to get. Interesting. The ball. Never got brought up, so we'd assume he's going directly to Kenny. Bingo. Yeah. I remember the Jets if last year. I think remember that whole Zach Wilson thing. Change. Didn't have uh, the OC. Yeah, Lafleur. Yeah, Lafleur in the box, and then Mike White had him on the field or something like that. But they were still talking to the quarterback. Yeah, we're assuming it's directly. Yeah. It's, it's an adjustment thing because San Fran's doing the same thing. They're on their bye week, right? And they've talked about bringing Chris or uh, Steve Wilkes out of the box and put him oh, on, really? put him oh. on the field. Has he always been down forward. there? Is it a preference thing? No, he's been up the whole time. And they talked about hey, being with the guys, the communication, the relationships, the eye to eye, right from instead of just on a phone or whatever. Building that whole that whole yeah. sounds like you're a big fan of on field. Sounds like you're a bigger fan of that. I think you just have a better pulse of what's going on. You can see somebody like when we were coaching in 2020, we had masks on, and I was in the uh, uh, the the gym, and we were I was a thousand yards away from the defense, and like you, you don't know if they're picking up what you're putting down. Hmm. Is the message hitting home today? I have no idea. Yeah, I always like, use the same face. Yeah. There's, there's 50 I mean, it was hard guys. enough. We were in a meeting room like this, and you know. But let alone if the guy's 50 yards away. Yeah, I couldn't even fathom. And you're, on a, you're on a headset, and they're looking at big screen. It was a nightmare. Hey, way to do it, though. Yeah. Played football. Work, Played coach. football. Right. Had to do it. Played yeah. football. Yeah. But it is interesting that, you know, because I would feel like those moments of, is this guy feeling it today? Is he in a good mood today? Just like we talked about earlier whenever Saban said, it depends on the cats, too, like whether or not you're yep. making these analytical decisions or not. It's a It's a – is this guy? Because there are guys that have bad days. Mm -hmm. Some AJ. people like that calm of that, and there's a lot of shit going on, and you're up removed from all that. You go to the field; it's just it's different. You're gonna have to be a wizard up there. As, as a player, yeah. aren't you more likely to come off the field and, and say something useful to the coordinator if he's on the field versus going over to the telephone to have to do it? We have two quotes from two NFL guys. Uh, I'm sorry, just one quote from one NFL guy about this. AQ Shipley says, "That's the change. That's it." Okay. Feels like it might have been sarcastic, but it was a text message. Yep. So we weren't able to get a proper read on it. Mm -hmm. we'll, show, we'll see you tonight, AQ. Yeah. We'll see you tonight. Come Speaking on. of, does that change your pick or reinforce your pick for this evening? As the Titans are three, uh, two and a half point dogs, three point dogs. We'll give you a full three if you want to win the Titans in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Defensive battle. Really good defenses. Um, Tennessee's on, on the road. I like this youngster coming in to be a second start uh, at Acresure. Mm -hmm. Is that pronounce that right? I think Acresure. I think yeah, so. I think so. Terrible towels. 
Cam Hayward's back. T.J. Oh. Watt. Wide. Highsmith. Wide. Minka's out, I think, right? Yeah. Minka's out, but like they got enough team. dudes back there. Pat Peterson. They got Joey Porter Jr. is going to get the start. He is long and athletic. Um, I just think it's going to be a tall order. You know, from, I love Vrabel. Love that team. Derrick Henry, they're going to load the box. T.A., they're going to load up. He's going to have some opportunities down the field to D-hop, but um, I think Pickett, I think they take the maybe the, you know, whatever it is that they training got the wheels. Hang, training wheels off of Chassis him and, and let him go instead of just waiting until the fourth quarter. So it's going to be a close game, low-scoring game. I've, I, I've got the Steelers, 17-14. Okay. Ooh, okay. That is a cover on some books, obviously. Some it is a push. I appreciate you doing that. AJ, we have obviously been incredibly hot picking games as of late. <laughs> haven't hit a wall at all. Although Chuck is probably staring down a 7-2 and two record on Thursday night. We are vastly different. Who do you like? How do you like it? So, it's tough when Chuck lays it out like that. Cam Hayward is definitely oh, back with Steelers. That scares me a little bit. But give me Tennessee plus three, I think. Wow. They keep it hot. They, the, the Titans offense keeps it hot. And as Chuck said, they're going to pressure him. They're going to want Will, Will Levis. They're going to want to get him uncomfortable. They're going to suck up them linebackers and try to take some shots down the field. Yeah, they are. They think they're going to get all sucked up out there. That's a smart move. It's part of the game plan. You know, you picked the Titans. I've been seeing a lot of Jeffrey Simmons as of late, and I can understand that. Here's another video of Jeffrey Simmons being mic'd up and being awesome. Sam, you shut down, Sam. You can't block me one-on-one. You can't block me one-on-one. He's scared. He's scared. <laughs> He's shaking. Stop crying, man. Hey, you overpaid, man. <laughs> <laughs> and just laughing his ass off on the sideline. I love the cut of his jib. Yep. I truly do. That's from inside the NFL on Paramount Plus and CW, okay. I do yeah. believe. Jeffrey Simmons needs to be mic'd up more often. I think I've grown my appreciation for him a lot just this week. I've only seen like four clips, and he is hilarious. Mm -hmm. You put that alongside what Vrabel said about fighting everybody pretty much in the NFL, mm -hmm. except for him. I obviously have great admiration for him. With that being said. Turnovers. Think about this. Tennessee doesn't take the ball away. Pitt takes it away as good as anybody in the National Football League. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm thinking. They do. I think Steelers. Hell yeah. You're going to know real early. What? What are you if talking Steelers about? Steelers go run, run, pass, first drive. Okay. Yeah, but now Matt Canada has to listen to it on the side. And yeah. or Derrick Henry runs for five plus on the first carry. You can you know right away that the Titans are winning the football. I will say if Derrick Henry's going for four and a half, five plus yards of pop in the first half, normally not good for the other team going the rest of the way. Let's just look the ball in. We got a huge play the first play last week. It was rainy. It was Deontay rainy. Johnson right down the middle of the field. Actually, that's the way they win. You, they're not going to. They're not going to run the ball against the Titans. Titans secondary can be suspect. If they open it up and throw it, I like the Steelers. If not, I hate them. Yeah, but like you're never going to give us, you know, a real analysis of this Pittsburgh Steelers. Team. You're jaded. You're you jaded are. by your personal beliefs. So you dressed up as the offensive coordinator, and yeah. just the offensive coordinator. Yeah, but then the. With devils in red 
You were the devil. Your hands the were flavor. Red. Your hands were bright red. If I dressed, you painted yourself. You spent an hour you painting yourself to commit to it. Did I just dress as Matt Canada and then I just started to transform into that? Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Either way. Right. Yeah. Tennessee 16th. That's not how I started. Did you go home that way and scare your daughter? No, I showered here. Okay. I was a unicorn at night. You were. Nice. I saw that. Good dad. Saw you walking around. You're dro- about to drop another stat about us Pittsburgh Steelers betters tonight. Tennessee defense is 16th against the run, 20th against the pass. National Football League ranked. What so the- if your offense stinks, not a bad team to potentially play against? That's not normal for a variable team, right? No. What's that all about? I don't know. Rabes gets the, guys, the boys okay. going on Thursdays, though. Rabes can get them going for Thursday. Well, Frames gets everybody going all the time. Yeah, don't he? I'm just saying, hey, guys, mini bye week after this. Let's go get a big win here. and I'll send you off, give you a couple of nice days off. Go hang out. You know, if he was in Pittsburgh, he would be beloved. Oh, yeah. Vrabel would have been. He was. He, he was. would be so loud. The, oh, communication, yeah, the communication for a rookie for Will, it ain't going to be like the comforts of home in those Oiler uniforms last mm-hmm. week oh, where everything was just rolling and – can you imagine if Will throws a TD in the first drive, how juiced he is going to be? He oh. will be running up and down those sidelines. So that's a that's a great point. they got to get off to a great start. If they don't get off to a great start, I don't anticipate them getting off to a great start. That's going to be a long night. Well, I'll tell you, if he gets off to a great start and then Kenny Pickett comes out and they do not do good, oh. Boo Bird's first quarter. Oh, yeah. Boo Bird's first quarter. Mid. Potential tonight on Prime. First chance. I think you booked first drive. Ba- they will take a shot. That's what I'm saying, drive. yeah. First drive. Mike Tomlin will defer. He knows better. He will defer to the second half. Yeah, let's see what Will does here. Yeah. And if Will goes, okay, obviously they're not going to be excited about that. But they're still, ah, for the kickoff, we're still in this thing. And then it's a three and out. Oh, boy. Buddy. Bad. Those boo birds are going to be big. They're going to yeah. be pterodactyl size flying through Akershire. They're going to be tough to handle. Most important coin flip of the entire season. Yeah. Good luck out there. Yeah, because if they, if the Titans win and they defer, bingo, and Steelers get the ball. Actually, and, it'd be smart if Tomlin just then, because you get to choose, yeah. you just kick off both halves. There has been a team that has done that, right? Accidentally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A team that Guess has where the turnovers year. are going to take place this time for the Steelers. Plus there. Plus territory. Advantageous. Advantageous. They're not even going to try. If they go for, like, if there's, if Will Levis throws them a ball and they're in their red zone, they're just going to bat it down. We don't want turnovers there. Okay. Don't, don't be so dramatic. Yeah. Yep. You're right. That's You're not right. what he meant, AJ. <laughs> move. This way, that's how these guys took that fucking thing. That's how they took the press conference. I would love to, to just live inside Tone's brain for a little bit, how he interprets all this. There's a couple people here. It used to be more positive. No. When? When? Not when I've known you. A couple weeks ago. Tone, <laughs> <laughs> look at you. Look at you. Preseason, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a lot of work, Tone. Hey, you know what? Tonight's the night where the devil in Matt Canada dies. That's right. Yes. He's going down his sideline. Yeah. He's going to have his best game. Hell yeah. And every single play is going to end with a first down. That's another first, first down. down. The other thing is, Ken- is he twirling the tie tonight? I heard he's the guy. Yes. The high school ref is yep. first time. Him and Billy Gardell, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome news. I'm happy to hear that. What are you saying, Nick? I was going to say, the other thing to watch is Kenny's ribs. That was obviously what was potentially going to hold him out of the game. He says he's going to play, but is he going to be able to push the ball at all down the field? He claimed it was a little tough to get some velocity on the ball. No, I don't like that. He came out and said that? What the hell? Don't let Jeffrey Simmons fall on him. He's playing possum. It's just a pain tolerance kind of thing, he said. Playing possum. Playing possum. I've been picking like shit as of late, Mm -hmm. so I think that means that the Titans are probably going to do their thing this evening, although I I am riding on the side of a guy who's gotten a lot right, Mm -hmm. but it's like... 
this feels like the Steelers got no shot. You know, just like every – but Cam Hayward coming back is a big deal. Yeah, and the Titans stink on the road. Yep. So that's my only – And T.J. Watt's a game changer. Yeah. yeah. Highsmith's a dog. J.J.'s there. Second Gassing them up with the towel. J.J. Watt's in the building. Yeah. It's going to have to be a Highsmith because I bet they do the Miles Garrett thing. That they did. Oh, yeah, with, the TJ. TJ. Potential uh, delay of games tonight. Yeah, take the over. With TJ Watt bouncing back and forth and them trying to figure out who's going to block like what's happened. Good call there. That was a good memory because well, that is what Vrabel and the boys do. Yeah, when, I'm, really I'm just hoping that TJ Watt's like crossing people up in the secondary, just kind of going back and forth. But we'll see. He just runs through people. There's a so clip good. of him putting his hand to the side of a guy's face. Mm-hmm. And just throwing a 350-pounder pretty much with, like, a jab. Holy shit. I... He, he's superhuman. And I think tonight we're going to get a T.J. Watt show. Oh, do we know if it's offense or defense getting introed? I would. I, the offense is Cam's coming back. Introed. It's got to be Cam coming back defense. Yeah. You're right. And it's prime time. And Tomlin just got done saying, yeah, we got picks, but they weren't scores. The offense mm-hmm. has T- been T.J. will let him come last, retired. right? No. A.J.? Whoa. No, no, no. No, no. no. Whoa, AJ. Jeez. Oh, oof, oof. What? He's talking about coming last out of the tunnel. I know. Yeah, I, I just figured, TJ, that was kind of his spot. <laughs> What's your problem? What's your problem? It's not my problem. Boy, get out of the gutter. Did you? Hey, you listen, do. I'm just telling right. you. I don't know what you guys are. I'm just talking strictly intros. Who's so, coming first, do you think? Sog or Biscuit? I guess you never know. That's you know, tough. I don't know, man. Don't you always Which, make Where do you want to be? First. I think, like, normally it's the young, like, yeah. that is how they kind of, mm-hmm. but TJ Watt has come last every single time. Yep. He's coming last. Yeah, I think so. He's yeah. a vet. Definitely. Yeah, but Definitely. Cam Hayward coming back, he is like Pittsburgh. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's TJ. They should come that out That place going to go crazy. Ooh, arm and arm. Come out, oh, yeah. no. We're getting some We're news. coming together. We're getting some news. Sources are telling us offense tonight. Yeah. <laughs> get intro. No. no. So Canada no, will be I'm running changing. out I'm to the sidelines. Where did we get this it. from? Hey, real deal. Where did we get this from? I don't know. We need to find out. I'd do it. I'd, awesome. I did with you guys. I'd bring the specialists. Dude, that was very kind of you. I mean, that was very, very nice of you. And it never happened before. Some great photos. I got Brooks. Yeah, great photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great photos with the smoke going. I really He'd come it. in. I'd come in there and go, we're, we're going specialist. And he'd be ready to go. And he'd got to go back to his locker. Let me get my Get hat. jazzed up. Let me, let me wake he's, him up. He, he's getting oiled up. Let me wake him up real quick. Extra spats. We got, what, 70,000 awesome. people in this place? It's yeah, awesome. All right, let's, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> Had a good game afterwards, too. Could you imagine? You, that's the first time in my career I've ever been introed, except for senior night, I guess, at West Virginia. First time ever. Imagine I go out there, hit for a, a shank for four yards, oh, and no. kick off out of bounds. Never again. This guy sucks. <laughs> you sons of bitch. Now, I will say, you intro us. We had an uh, onside kick, I think, a point outside of five. Well, it was big, yeah, best game I've ever had. So I appreciate you, Chuck. Oh, yeah. Chuck, it is time now for you to win some people some money. Uh oh. We've been chit chatting about. Can we find out, though, seriously, if the Steelers are intro on the offense have, or defense by the end of this thing? I have an ask out. If the offense is coming out, just like Chuck said, I might be making the switch. Mm-hmm. I might be going over to the Titans. It's Legit. not final till we go off air, right? Our final, final, bingo, final pick. Bingo, bingo, bingo. We can go back to the mic. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? The offense yeah, hasn't been introduced yeah. since seven. Lord knows retired. somebody likes to go back to the Is that mic. real? Yeah, in in you know his honor, the offense has not been introduced since he retired. <laughs> because I, I'm thinking that it, they alternate. Yeah. You know, yeah. just to kind of yeah. – could have sworn yep. Just kind of put any like, conversation. Like every other team. Tony, don't Probably. use your maybe voice. Yeah, and we were told that the defense was injured last game. So hey. just uh, a good source. That means offense this game. Which is what we're saying, which makes me believe. Who's come out last? Kenny? Kenny's come out last? Nolge. Probably seven. Yeah. 
That would be awesome. Yeah. Ben is he going to run out? Is he going to run out? Pat, like, you know, you always talk about how he runs out of time. Listen, if he has both those He's fully ankles <laughs> casted, mm-hmm. like he had for what, 13 he of his lumbered. 14 he NFL lumbered. seasons? Yep. I would. Okay, then the offense can get introduced. Mm-hmm. If it's like special consultant for the week, you know him, mm-hmm. you love him, and he comes whoa, 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 with this thing after Kenny Pickett, I would be so fucking jacked. I'd be all the way in. Matt Canada should get introduced last and him ride a Harley out. That's why oh, he's yeah. going out. By the way, that's, that's why, why Matt Canada's on the field. On the field. Yeah, oh, because. Okay, seven's back. And actually, he's requesting, oh, mama. He said, don't save this for the fourth quarter. <laughs> we need it now. I want it. Let me out here. Kenny does go last is what I'm being told. You know, say Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Starting quarterback. I was told it has not been decided yet. Oh, whoa, wow. whoa. This is a thing. Uh-oh. All of a sudden, this is a thing. Wow. This is a big deal. Could you imagine not having TJ come out last out there? Can't do it with JJ in the building? Yeah, but we don't want to offend the offense already. We got things popping off. Maybe that's why Tomlin said that about the defense and about the special teams. Didn't say anything about the offense because he didn't want to break the news to him. And we're skipping your introductions. Yeah. Uh, is Glorilla I mean? going tonight? She's a big fan. I hope. She's a big fan. She knows Coach Tomlin the way he operates. They're big fans of each other. She should run out like Lil Wayne did with the Packers. Oh, yeah. He was wearing that red sweater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He looked like a six-year-old. He's yeah. around a bunch of guys it's in full so pads. <laughs> it was a great day on the internet with that video. He's around guys in full pads. Absolutely. What do you want from him? And then he came out with the Colorado Buffaloes just a couple of days before yes, that. he did. Never forget Big Ben was 11-0 and with that team. We, uh, we reach out to a source. And the quote from the team is, that's coach's decision. It's not been decided yet. It's like, okay. Uh, okay. Good wow. Defense. Has to be. It's going to be defense. Cam Hayward's comeback. He, I mean, he is Pittsburgh. So, yeah. That place will go nuts. Al Michaels is there. You know, Al Michaels is on the call. It's got to be the D. Give them the D. Now. Mm-hmm. Right, AJ? It's a big bad D. Absolutely. You, know, you, introduce, you introduce the O and they get boat Who, raised. Who's coming last? They'll blow that damn thing up. Well, they would already right, know if you. it was the defense. They would have made the decision already. No, I think we would know if it was the offense. The decision would already be made because I think if they do alternate, like literally every other team, that decision is like not even set in stone. Conversational. Mm-hmm. I've been you told I mean? uh, Mike T does not alternate. Oh, okay, so this is wow. not a this okay, is not this is a this is a meritocracy. You gotta earn your way in to get introduced. I respect that. Defense. Okay, defense tonight. Yep. I'm yes. on the Steelers. There we go. All right, I'm still on the Steelers. Now, it is time for Chuck Pagano, a money machine for us on these Thursday nights, to try to win 50 people five hundred dollars. That's a lot of people wow. getting some cash on this glorious. Coach Saban Thursday, November 2nd. Chuck, all you'll have to do is bury one of these footballs into any hoop. Okay, any basketball hoop out there. There's only two of them, Chuck. There's only two of them. Yep. Before the show started, he goes left, bang. He goes right, bang. He's hot today. Yep. 50 people, $500, on, Chuck. Chuck. And we got nothing but faith in you. How are you feeling today? How's the arm after three and a half hours? Before the show, you were hot. How are you feeling now? Which way are you thinking? Are you? They, Don't matter. That's really. your decision. AJ, yeah. which, which way? Connor? Whichever way you Go feel. Ahead. Trust your instincts, Chuck. What are you feeling? I think the one you're facing right there. Yeah. Yeah, right there, Chuck. Hold on, wait. The one I throw at mostly? That one? Yeah, that I don't know. I can't hear Chuck what he's saying, but yeah, that one. Why is there a one? Well, you gotta go back to the mic. To the mic. You, you can't hear mic, you. Right? you came here and then you went back. Yeah, we can't hear you. You pump faked it. 
Speaking of throwing footballs. You need to focus. Sound like a fun goal there. I don't know. That's, is that what we saw? Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Which one are you going to, uh, Coach Chuck Pagano? Okay, going to the left. I will say, I saw this earlier. Threw the ball so perfectly, it just banked off the kiss off the glass. Nothing but net. Ooh. We're talking about finding it, stroking it. And if he does that right now, 50 people, $500. Connor, this could be the biggest one we've ever had. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in Chuck. I think he's going to do it this time. Had a baby Chuck. Go ahead and do this. Go thing. on, Chuck. We Excited think? to watch Go it. Go on, Chuck. I'm going this way. Okay, audible. Okay, he's going right. He's going right. Apple, Coming apple. Forward. Oh, Ooh. my God, it looks so good. Good aggressive throw. That's good audible. Yeah. Speed was too high. Same rules apply. Much speed. He's all jacked up. Need more Same rules apply. 50 people, $500. Chuck's got to make the shot. Oh, look good. I like the that line. That went in from my angle. Yeah, it was I good like throw. it. Both of these throws have been good throws. Before the show, he won two for two. Will he go? Oh, I don't know. Oh, right. no. Take a breath. Take a breath. Take a breath. Settle it down. Slower the heart rate. Appreciate Let's it. remember that 50 people, $500, 25 racks out of the building. Oh, Man. There's another football somewhere. Yeah, there is one. There's a couple of them. Chuck, you're an NFL head coach. <laughs> Boy, you mess around with those little rubber balls. What are we thinking? Let's go with the Duke here, Chuck. Now, remember the Duke a little heavier. Okay, I'm not saying overthrow it, but I am saying potentially yeah, aim for the back of the rim. Chuck Pagano! Overthrew it. That's on me. That's bad coaching. I'm bad guy. How come the NFL one always goes farther than the other ones when people throw You know what we're talking about. Yeah. Gotta do the dorsal. Go on, Chuck. There's an Alabama ball, too, in Phil's hands. You're staring down. Phil's staring down, punching in 50 little names into a tiny little lab. Mm -hmm. ah. With that ball, I don't think there's any fear. No. Which is a damn shame. Hmm. Backboard's impressive. I'm going to need a mask for the airport. Chuck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our Beal. best friend, Beal. Great underhand toss. Wow. Beal. That was an incredible underhand hey, he toss. That's like a referee toss. That was phenomenal. Chuck, with this ball, you have the power to win 50 people $500. All you got to do is put that into a bucket here, either on the left or the right. And if you do that, 50 people will be able to celebrate going into this holiday season with $500 more in their bank account. So you go back to the microphone. Hold on. We'd like to get your thoughts before mm -hmm. this big time. Yeah. Yeah. This is your final throw. We got to certainly get some thoughts here, a little pregame. been disappointing to this point. What? The way I started the day today, it's like, it, I don't know. Yeah, but I adversity. Agree. Kevin O'Connell talked about this. That's exactly you right. You don't waste a failure ever. No, he might have missed a couple shots here. That's going to happen. What are you going to do with the next one, though, Coach? Next throw is your best throw. Bingo. Next play. There you go. Ride for the brand, coach. Finder. 60 minutes. All you got. Dina. Don't judge. One play at a time. Don't judge. Don't judge. I missed the one play at a time. I apologize. <laughs> Don't look at the scoreboard. Ever. Good play. Move on. Bingo. Bad play. Move on. Quicker. Up 10. Move on. Who cares? Down 28. Move on. Who cares? Ugh. How do you guys do situational awareness if you can't look at the scoreboard? Well, that's good. We look at the clock. Oh, okay. Don't be an asshole. Okay. We're motivating right now. That was rude. Plays on. That's a good question, though. That's certainly a good question. It was. And everybody did the coaches. The coaches can look. They can oh, okay, stay involved. Okay. Uh, yeah. Players need to know. Players. Everybody just, did look at the score. Well, he knew that, though. Yeah. It was just part of the thing. Right. It was part of the thing. The score didn't matter, is what the. That was okay, a metaphor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on me. It was a good metaphor, too. I want to let you know, coach. We all looked, but we didn't judge. Maybe putt, too. I mean, maybe. We'll see if this ball goes in. I don't think we're going to need it because Chuck Pagano's got an. Oh, yeah! Uh, uh, this guy. All right. I don't know what it is. 
Coach, I'll give you five hundred bucks if you put one of those pigskins right in Bill's sack. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Don't on the workplace. Can't hear either. So he's Bill. Bill, I want to let you know that Nick said something terrible for you. No, you can throw that for sure. For sure, you can throw right at Bill's sack. Hold on, fifty people. <clears throat> hold on, Chuck. 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 Hold, hold on. on. That ball hold a little on, bit smaller on. there, Chuck. Is there anything you're going to do different with that particular ball? Because this is last opportunity. Yeah. Come on, Chuck. You only get one shot. Come on, Chuck. Don't miss your chance to blow. Because opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Yo. Oh! Gosh. We had it. Damn, that was it. Damn shame. Oh, my God, dude. You're not supposed to ride the Evans. I'm sorry. I rode. I know. Sorry, people. I was riding that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That ball was in the air, and I'm like, oh, shit. We got one. And then... That rims. That's two, rude. Two putts. Make one putt, get two tries. Oh, we're uh, okay. We're trying to set up another one here. You're club champion. Okay, so what do you want to do? You want to do two putts? You only got to make one of them? Is that what you're saying? How does that make sense? What if you go uh, three putts? You make two of them. There we go. There we go. You're a good putter. We've seen you. Yeah, you're club champ. And also, I've gotten on this green. Immediately after the show. You immediately after the show and drain 600%. Right. Two, yeah. two putts, you make one, that's 50%. Now you're asking me to be 66%. Bingo. Yeah, Chuck, you're exactly. trying to make 50 yep. people $500. 66.7. Well, 666, 666, Repeating, of course. Yeah, and then, so they, just, they decided to make that a seven at one point. They could have done it a lot earlier. They could have. You know, they could have really got past that. Yeah, that's classic math. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so three balls, got to make two of them. If Chuck Pagano, club champion... He's able to drain two out of three of these putts. 66.67%. Oh, wow. Oh, 50 people win $500. Now, you talk about going one or two, 50%. That's all you need to do, Chuck. The people's coach, 50 people, $500. Phil Maines, CFO Phil, has come out to the gym to get a closer look. He goes two for two to do what he do, which is win 50 people, $500. CFO Phil is going to have to type in a bunch of tiny little names into different payment <laughs> methods. Bruce Brown's going to have to scan through and make sure that we're not picking any Nazis or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, while also randomly selecting so we can have true winners of $500 going into this holiday season because Chuck Pagano did his thing. We appreciate you, Chuck. Good work, Chuck. Way to go, pal. Love you, boy. We appreciate you all so much. Thanks all you do is retweet this post, say something nice to somebody, and put the easiest way to pay you digitally in the same exact reply. That's AJ Hawk. These are the boys. We are lucky to do this, and we'll see you tomorrow for a feel-good Friday. I'm on the Steelers, minus two and a half. Chuck Pagano's on the Steelers, minus two and a half. AJ Hawk is on the Titans, plus three. Tomorrow should be a beautiful day. Be your friend. Tell a friend something nice. It might change their life. Goodbye.